Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. And it's a pretty clean start for everyone. Jack Aiken at the front of the grid trying to pull away. We'll give you the official retirees in a moment or two when this settles down with the number seven Porsche struggling a little bit and there goes the teammate car or the uh, same manufacturer car coming through and let's see yeah that was the number six car coming through BMW with the white uh, nose on that car also looking feisty earlier on. Slight confusion from the uh, from my old eyes here because I saw a Porsche with a number five on it. And of course, that's fifth position that I can see out there. We do have a number five and six in the FIA World Endurance Championship. So a swap around of the Porsches there. But at the front of the field, it's still Jack Aiken who leads from Augusto Farfus. And then everyone else trying to chase them down. Lawrence Vantor in the number six ahead of the second of the BMWs. BMWs have, have come to the fore, Peter. They, they've been there, thereabouts the whole race, uh, just keeping their nose clean, clicking off the laps. They're quick, but it is worth saying, though, that car number 24, that BMW in second position, and, well, it's about to lose second position because Lawrence Vantor is on the charge. Vantor goes streaming past Farfus in the BMW. Now, that BMW there, car 24, did not pit under that caution. So they're a little bit behind on the strategy. Likewise, now this is the curious part, car 31, our race leader, Jack Aitken, did not pit either. He's only got 40% of his uh, stint energy left. So rolling the dice here, Wheel and Engineering. They're going for the Michelin Endurance Cup points, aren't oh. they? 14 minutes to go to half distance. That's the next six hours. I said we'd give you, in that VP uh, Racing in-race updates, the official retirements. It's a bit tricky, but uh, for sure, the 11 TDS racing car. Oh, who's that with no lights out in the darkness there? Oh. That car. Oh, that's the 40. 40. That is the... GTP best, Acura. Yeah, that is the best of the Acuras, Louis Delatraz. And he's, I wonder if he's lost power. Now, remember, the sister car just stopped with an electrical fault. And this is spookily similar to what happened to Philippe Albuquerque earlier on, where the car, there was a, a foot and a little smell of burning inside the car. And then everything went dark. And that's exactly what's happened again coming out of turn five. My goodness me, great driving from everybody behind to avoid that car. I, I think that car's dead stick again. Full, Full course, course yeah. yellow. Unsurprisingly, because uh, that car will need to move. The door is open. This is a mirror image of what's happened to the team car. So Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti. They've come here with a, a strengthened programme of two cars. We saw one car go out earlier or have problems earlier, and you thought, OK, they've still got one other car in the race, and the same thing happened. Don't touch happen. it, Louis, if you're not sure. Uh, no, the I green can see, actually, I can see the green yeah, light reflecting. Yeah. Oh. That is on. That is just, if you weren't with us earlier on, that it was coming out of the other end of the infield. 
at the eastern end, the International Horseshoe, and Albuquerque's car did exactly the same. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, you think about it, Wayne, Wayne Taylor racing for so many years where they just seemed to turn up to Daytona and it just it just seemed to go their way and they got so many wins, so many successes, but this is not an exact science at all. The, the, the last couple of years, the luck has just not been with them, and today, no more so than this. Wow. Louis looking at the inside of the car, but he was keen to get out quickly, and I said it when I saw this happening with Albuquerque, to me, looked like they were worried about fire. Now, they've got the EMR safety crew and the Chevrolet safety truck there from the IMSA safety team. And, my goodness, they were there quickly. They will have heard the full-course caution called. This is a short yellow, so the pits will not reopen as we've just been under yellow flags. And Philippe Albuquerque got back into the car exactly as we're seeing now. And they're, what they're trying to do, I know exactly what they're trying to do, he's trying to get that into neutral so it can be flat toed. And Albuquerque couldn't do it. They're going to need to... Oh, no. Well, I'm wrong. The lights are on and somebody is home. Well, what, what you need is the AMR safety crew to maybe do a little a little dance around it and uh, lift one foot wow. up and, and the electronics in the car go, OK, fine then, whoosh. Well, that or somebody, t you have to be a certain age to uh, remember this, either somebody did a Fonz on it and just sort of give it an elbow. Or not just pointed at it, double fingers, double single oh. pistols have gone, eh, no? It's just... It just cuts off. Cuts off. The green light for the safe mode of the hybrid system is on in the windscreen. Uh, the engine probably still running at that point, although that is slightly downhill to turn number six. And Delatraz, in fairness, looking for somewhere where he could get off the racing surface but stay on the hard surface. I don't think he wanted to put the car on grass. But that is extraordinary. Shea uh, Adam, I'm sure, will be seeing... Louis Delatraz in the pits. He, he won't be able to fasten his seat seatbelt uh, that easily himself. They might be able to, maybe with what happened to the sister car, they might have learned something from that of how to kick it out of this. And it, 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 to kick it out of this funk, if you like, and to get it back to the, the carriage. But hopefully it won't require the same repair that took, you know, over an hour. Well, well over an hour. Oh, Shea Adam is going like the clappers now. Well, Shea Adam. Well, the, the, there'll be a prototype class split, split, so lots of flashing, and that is Delatraz. Delatraz is absolutely on it. Something clicked back into place. He restarted it, and he's trying to get back onto the end of the prototype field. I don't think he'll be able to come through the P2s, but that car's running nicely. Um, oh, okay. He's come through the P2s. So this is the GTP class split, but I haven't seen that call from race control yet. Uh, Shea Adam is our CrowdStrike pit reporter at this stage of the evening. Shea, any, any sign of the team expecting that car into the pits? Uh, no, the team was actually expecting him back in the garage. I saw them grab the skates and head back towards the uh, garage area, and now they're 
making their way back over to the pit lane. So very interesting turn of events. Thanks, Shit. We'll uh, wait to see what happens. I was going to try and give you the cars out. As I said, it's not uh, very easy, but I've been keeping a note. That's for certain the TDS Racing number 11 is out. The Richard Meal 88 Corsa, the AF Corsa uh, run car. The Orica of United Autosports number 22. Uh, we've just heard that the 44 of Magnus Racing, the Aston Martin, that's gone. Uh, cars that aren't divisible by 11 with double numbers uh, that we haven't seen for a while include the Iron Links number 60 and the Wayne Taylor Racing uh, Lamborghini Huracans, those two. I've not seen official notification of those two. Um, I'm pretty certain we saw one for the 75. In fact, I'm sure I am. That's the Sun Energy 1 AMG. Uh, and the other cars, the MDK by High Class Racing Orica, which, again, has been out of commission for quite some time. Uh, but we've not yet necessarily seen an official... Oh, in fact, here's another one. Car 60, now officially retired. 6-0... So that's an addition. So now we know that the Iron Lynx Lamborghini is definitely gone. Thank you, Race Control, for that. And that's part of your VP Racing in-race update. What a bizarre turner. He didn't, he didn't just knock the kill switch or something like that, did he? No, no. No, definitely not. not. No. Um, and what that means then is that... What that means then is that, well, the... Well, our saviour has arrived into the, the international broadcast centre here with some donuts as we go back to green. Safety car into the pit lane. Just under, uh, just over half distance to go. 12 hours, six and a half minutes and right round the outside. That's a brave manoeuvre by the number 10. Many, 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 many laps down for that car uh, with a spookily similar incident for its team car just a few moments ago. And the Wayne Taylor Acura's not having the best of this. Jack Aiken still leads from Lawrence Vantor in the number six. That is the Porsche. Then the two BMWs working together, maybe. They lead the field onto the banking right now. Cars trying to make up positions and make up laps. Looks like the number 85's right in there. It does mean, though, after that great recovery from Louis Delatraz, whatever he told that car to do to get it back going, he's still he's running on the same lap as the 0-1 Cadillac, the 85 uh, JDC Porsche, the Proton Competition Porsche as well. Just one lap off the leader, so game on for any of those cars. The only car that's out of contention in GTP is the number 10 Konica Minolta car after half the race distance. I think that's a, that's a pretty good effort from uh, from the GTP field. That is incredible, Peter. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, it is uh, Marcus Eriksson uh, who is in the number 10 Acura and he was pretty racy coming off there but uh, he is uh, almost 100 laps down actually. He's 98 laps down on the leader could be useful though if we get weather i think that was a useful. brilliant piece of deduction that you mentioned earlier on peter 
So we'll see. We'll, we'll see whether that. Whether There's nothing to lose to for that car, is there? So if no. we do get weather, remembering that there are no intermediate tyres, you have slicks, you have wets. Uh, two compounds, uh, a medium and a soft. The softs can only be used until is it eight o'clock in the morning. Yes, I think it is eight o'clock in the morning. Or you can use mediums all night. It's your choice. But what you don't have is an inter. You have a wet. And and unless it's fully wet, the wet will tear itself to pieces. Oh, it, here. Will, it will overheat yeah. straight away. Any any wet tire would. Particularly with track temperatures still as high as they are, and they've been in a a pretty impressive range all the way through. Still showing 72 Fahrenheit on the track at 73 in the air. So you can work that one out if you wish into uh, centigrade. It's round about 22. 22, 23 for both of them. So that's Humidity about, still 77%. That's about four degrees Celsius higher than what it was at this time uh, last year. Uh, Shay Adam down in the pit lane, the debut of the GT3 Ford Mustang this weekend. We had boot lid, trunk lid problems for both of the factory cars earlier on. And you've got one of them with you now. Uh, yeah, we've just had two of the three with rear end issues. The Again. 55 Proton Competition run car, that's the GTE one, was in. They put a new bumper on, but that car lost a lap while it was in having the service done because the bumper wouldn't seat properly. There has been damage to the back of the 64 Mustang. Something has hit it on the left-hand side. It jarred the floor loose and actually broke the floor. So while they had the opportunity, brought the car in right off the green flag, not the ideal time for them. They pulled the floor off and then realized that they would not be able to get a new one on because there was too much damage to the existing carbon. And tape wouldn't stick because it's very, very dirty. So now they're both trying to clean it and using the infamous lump hammer to try and knock bits of carbon loose so that maybe they can find something to drill a hole and then put a zip tie and maybe get the floor to fit back on. But this is devastating for the 64 Ford. Battle for the lead in P2 on the high banking after that crowd strike pit report from Shea Adam heading down towards the Le Mans chicane, Tom Dillman. Ahead of Connor Zilich, another ex-Master racer, John Doon will be happy about that. Connor Zilich won more Master MX-5 races last year than anyone else, but because he didn't do the full season, he didn't quite get to the top of the championship. And he's chasing down Tom Dillman at the moment with uh, Philippe Massa in third place, Matthew, Mac uh, Matthew Jacobson for CrowdStrike by... Algar Pro Racing, then Ben Keating. Ben Keating restarted in the lead. Just biding his time in that car. He knows what he's got to do in the wins. Mission Food, number two from United Autosport. The little gamble for uh, car number 31, Wheel and Engineering Cadillac, Jack Aitken, might not pay off here because they decided not to pit at the last proper caution if you like no, because we've had a short caution since the last proper caution our last opportunity to pit they did not take it to stay out maintain track position and pinch Michelin endurance mm. cup points but with a minute and 10 seconds to go if Lawrence Vantor can really get on with it in car number 6 for Porsche Penske Motorsport he might be able to pinch it it's at the conclusion of the lap the after. first lap yeah. after so we've got one minute to half distance get the memes ready please uh, at Radio Show Limited on Insta, Radio Show LTD, 
on Insta and on the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's at IMSA Radio, halfway there, memes to come. With John Hindorf, Peter Mackay and Shea Adam in the pit lane. 30 seconds, so I don't. Th- it's going to be the next lap around. It will not be this one. For the second tranche of Michelin Endurance Cup points, Jack Aitken comes under the brighter lights around the main grandstand, flashes under our feet with the gold and grey Cadillac. Four, three, two, one. Half distance in the 62nd running of the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona. And it must be golden hour because uh, Alessandro Pierre Guidi has just put in personal best lap of the race for that car, 146.430. Second lap in a row, he's done that, but he needs to because Alexander Sims put his car's fastest lap of the race just the lap before as well, that Corvette. There is uh, just about a second and a half between them. Incredible stuff through all of the battles in the four classes. With Vantour unable to close down that Cadillac. As soon as the Cadillac gets into its stride, they want the longer green flag runs. I remember Pete Durani saying that, I think, on the grid to Nick Damon earlier on in our Michelin countdown to green. They finished the series last year very strongly indeed to take the championship. And they've started this year exactly where they left off. It's almost as if they just rolled straight back off the truck. Well, this is this was their key in last year's Rolex 24. They didn't get the win, but when we had really long green flag running, we had a six-hour period of green flag, and they just really charged into a big lead there did the Cadillac and it was the 0-1 on that occasion, this time it's the 31, the Whalen Engineering car but make no mistake, every single GDP car except the Konica Minolta Acura is in with a shout, so 9 out of 10 cars that started are still well in with a shout We're all at, we've, got, we've got 5 on the lead lap at the moment and the other 4 are just one lap behind, so this is this is anybody's motor race let's uh, get some reaction from down in the pit lane we've still got that Ford Mustang number 64 with uh, all kinds of uh, work going on to the rear Shea Adam is our crowd strike pit reporter with Dennis Olsen for the number 55 Proton competition Ford Mustang with Ford factory driver Dennis Olsen Dennis things seem to be going so well for you but now the car is back in again they changed the bumper the last time looks like they're doing the floor this time what's happened with your Mustang um, we were running well um, we didn't have any issues but uh, Gianmarco got hit on the last restart uh, we lost the rear lights so that's why we changed the rear bumper and uh, he went out again and a lot of vibration on the rear so we're going to try to uh, change the diffuser but Hopefully there is no damage on the center floor so we can connect it again. How important is this race now as a learning session for the remainder of the season for the team? Uh, it's going to be a big learning for sure. I mean, uh, for the whole crew. But uh, we came here not only to learn. We wanted to fight for the win and uh, hopefully we can fix it quickly, have a couple more yellows and we'll be back on the lead lap and try to fight at the end. Only halfway there. Good luck. Thanks. 
Yeah, Molly Elysium was the quickest in halfway there. Lizard on a chair. Uh, we'll take them all. Not a problem. I I think, John, this, this, this brand new Ford Mustang GT3 has run very, very strongly. It's run reliably. They've done a lot of testing. What they probably haven't well, I could be wrong, but probably what they haven't practiced in testing is having contact from the rear, which does happen even just little taps here and there all the way through. The field has been so close. I think this is something that's showing up in a race that they won't have seen in testing. What did we see, though, when the Ferrari came in at the Nürburgring last year? They had a way of taking off the rear end in almost in modules to be able to replace the diffuser really quickly now this is a front engine car the ferrari is a mid-engined car um which you, know, you can say there's pluses and minus for each but it shouldn't be any more difficult for a front engine car to a mid-engine car if it's a rear engine car like a porsche where you have to have some structure around that engine when it's hanging uh, out, out over the back wheels mm, okay but this new mustang is along with the corvette is taking the GT3 category into another new era, pushing it even further than the 296 has done. But I'll take you back a couple of seasons, Peter. Do you remember when BMW debuted the new M4 here? What did they have real trouble with? They had trouble with rear diffusers. And they, their, their struts were breaking. That was curb strike as well as side strikes from uh, other manufacturers. As the aerodynamic regulations allow you can come quite a long way out because that's the way the GT3 regs are and you're right, they're vulnerable the, the car's got to be able to take a hit because it's it's these the GT3 now, it's not just an endurance racing car, far from it it, it needs to do 24 hour races but you look at like the DTM for example it's a very good example, the DTM are using the GT3 as a base car and well, the, the the action there is pretty fierce and contact is regular. So the cars have to take it. Um, and that's something you hear it all the time and you think, yeah, okay, it's just a, a cliche when teams say, Oh, when you when you go when you go out testing you only get certain things showing up in the race, that's when you really get to see what a car's gonna do. But this is a perfect example of it. The car is just not seeming to take contact um, very well yet, but they'll get to it. It was the number 31 wheel engineering car that took, will take the five points for the Michelin Endurance Cup as oh, Shay Adam, this is terrible news for the customer Mustang, the light blue and white car it's not going forwards and it's not going backwards under its own steam uh, people power not, not pony power in this case uh, no they couldn't get the floor reseated so they are pushing it back to the break of the wall this car will drive back to the garage it does not have a difficult to access garage it is a first row garage which is big but the 64 mustang rumbles by it with its pony power that's going straight back through the pit lane that's a drive-through penalty for something john what was that uh, that is the 64, 64. the Mustang. Now, that was refueling whilst on the stands. So that's the drive through there. Uh, we had our Porsche keys to the race, which included no pit penalties. Um, they weren't listening, were they? Good battle in GTD Pro. Alessandro Pegidi by half a second from Alex Sims. That's Reese versus Pratt and Miller. Well, we've said that before. 62 red Ferrari from bright yellow number three. And 
at the moment. Alexander Sims just going through in the wheel tracks of the Ferrari through the Le Mans chicane onto the high banks again. Coming up in around about 10 minutes, we head into the the Night Owls night shift, powered by Sacred Coffee, and welcome Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones into the Global Broadcast Centre. They'll be fueling themselves up with Sacred Coffee, available in the US as well as in Europe, and with a special Penske coffee blend as well that's available in so, the US. So they've got the unfair advantage to get them through the night shift. There you go. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, very good. Now, I like it. <laughs> Battle the for Corvette the here now has five. Alexander Sims has got five laps more fuel in the tank than the uh, Rizzi Competizione Ferrari has and Pierre Guidi. But in the meantime, they just drink in a battle of two GT greats. Pierre Guidi versus Sims, two of the very best at their craft. Shea Adam with her bat ears uh, picking up a problem for one of the Porsches. Shea, what did you hear on the tri-over last time by? From the bottom of the number 92 Porsche, so I think their floor might be coming a little bit loose for the Kelly Moss entry. Uh, not looking like a repeat of uh, success previously in the weekend. Not going to spoil which race ah, it was, though. I can't there, believe there, you said that. There we go. Um, no, but I am anticipating pit stops for some of the GTP cars. Namely, as Peter very rightly said, Jack Aiken running around with it, a lot less energy than everyone it, he's else. He's on zero energy now. Yep. He's actually regenning uh, as he comes down towards us. Also, uh, Marcus Eriksson, he's on uh, only 5% energy. Everyone else up in the 40s and 50s. Bart uh, Farfus in the BMW, as he's down to 35%. So he's got the least of the cars uh, who uh, were in most recently. And here on cue comes our leader, Jack Aiken. I don't think that was even fumes. I think that was just sheer willpower from Jack Aiken. He jumps out of the Wayland Engineering Cadillac, and in goes Tom Longfist. As into the pit lane also comes the number 10, Cutting Penalty Car. That is Marcus Erickson staying aboard. He is getting a drinks bottle changed up. Fuel and four sticker tires for Tom, so he is not having to share tires with his teammate, which is very kind of uh, Peter Barron up on the wall making the strategy calls to let the new guy have some new rubber. They did do a windshield tear-off as well. Well, they really like Tom. Good to see that he's fitting in really well with this team. Waiting on the fuel as the last part of this stop. And the nozzle comes out. Longfist fires it up. There we go. Had to wait for the kick of the uh, Cadillac power. They start on electric power. Uh, roll forward effectively. That's saving the starter motor. And... What they're effectively doing is if you had your mates pushing you down the street and they have a, a process where they effectively bump start the engine. So the big racing engine is not turning when they come out the pits and it's only 10 yards or so down the pit lane that they, in mechanical terms, they drop the clutch um, and it's in gear and clunk, off it goes, and it bump starts the engine. 
Unfortunately, if you're uh, marking off on your spotter's guide, uh, get your marker pen of doom out, unfortunately, because the number 27, Heart of Racing, Aston Martin, ah, has been retired. They were going to try and fix it. We heard from Marco Sorensen in our CrowdStrike pit lane report an hour or so ago, but no no luck, uh, unfortunately. Now, a, a little bit of colour to uh, what she mentioned on the... Uh, she, a great spot to hear that, number 92, Kelly Moss car... That car, uh, we got a, a picture sent in, a screenshot from Tim Fulbrook. Thank you, Tim. Um, that the front left of the car of that 92 Kelly Moss Porsche had got a bit of damage, and he reckons that's the damp, the debris which caused the last yellow. So wow. there could be all, like you say, there's a lot of bits and pieces of evidence heading towards a conclusion there. We'll try and get proper confirmation if we can, but it's all pointing to one outcome. Uh, Nigel Dobby, hello, how are you? Uh, night hours, he says, I've just had breakfast in France. Well, yes, it's nearly eight o'clock. Second place for Alexander Sims, Nigel. Uh, Sunday morning croissant. Yeah, lovely, absolutely great. Uh, and I've just seen on my messages that uh, we've got a sacred coffee offer as well for you. And now I can't find it, so I might have to leave that to Johnny and Bruce in the Night Elves, powered by Sacred Coffee. Oh, there we are. Night shift coming through. I'll repost that for everybody. 20% off. Yeah. 20% off your orders of Sacred Coffee from Sacred Coffee Sport or Sacred Coffee in the U.S., uh, use the code CAMPBELL20, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. I'll repost that on at IMSA Radio. Shea Adam. Well, Jack Aiken, you did what you won out there to do, which was get the most Michelin Endurance Cup points as possible as the defending champion in the GTP class. And now the good news, the team has pizza for you behind the uh, tent. How much do you think you earned it on that stint? Uh, yeah, I was working a bit harder than usual. <laughs> There were a few nice on-track battles with the other guys and um, it's a lot of traffic out there, so it's um, keeping you on your toes. I'm glad to be out of the car and have a nice rest now. How much of a rest do you actually get with only the three drivers cycling through the car? I mean, now that we're in the night and it's a little bit cooler, we'll try and extend the stints a little bit so we have a bit more time out of the car as well. Um, I think if you've got three capable, capable guys, then it's not too bad, uh, but ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> You were the one who took the car to the checkered flag at Sebring, so we know that you can win a race, but also you're in the car with Pippo Durrani and Tom Blomqvist, guys who know how to win this race. Any discussion of who's going to be finishing? Uh, the discussion was short. It was, I think it can be any of us, which is a bit of a luxury. So um, it gives us a bit more flexibility at the end of the race. We don't have to sort of anticipate the driver rotation at all. Um, you know, we'll see how we feel physically and uh, go off of that. But... Uh, yeah, we all feel pretty comfortable in the car. You've got a cool helmet design for this weekend, and it's got a thistle on the back of it. Do you have Scottish heritage? Yep, so uh, on my dad's side of the family, we're Scottish. Um, to go over the South Korean side on my mum's side. So, yeah, I've got um, the, the thistle colours, which is like a national emblem of Scotland. A prickly nature, but a beautiful flower. So, two sides. Yeah. Love it, thanks. Great job out there. Thank you.
deep into the night, very nearly two o'clock in the morning then, and it is the Night Owls stint for the next four hours, powered by Sacred Coffee. And uh, I hope you're settled in, and have been, in fact, from the start of the race, because only now is this starting to really get serious. And the old saying with the Daytona 24 hours is that if you're in it still with 22 hours to go, then there's really a chance of a good result. But this race has a habit of having twists and turns until literally the 23rd and 24th hours. So we're going to pay close attention, of course, throughout the various classes and for the rest of the running, which is 11 hours and 44 minutes. My name's Johnny Palmer. I'm delighted to be joined by Bruce Jones in the global commentary booth right here on RS2 IMSA Radio, and we'll keep you in tune with what's going on in the pit lane as well. Just heard from Shay Adam, and uh, we'll keep switching around with our pit reports, powered by CrowdStrike throughout the course of the night, and then on into that wonderful sunrise, which is so synonymous with this venue. Good morning to you, Bruce. Good morning, JP. Middle of the night in Florida and uh, the most amazing thing coming into the studio, sitting down in the Global Broadcast Centre and seeing the graphic at the side of the screen, the four classes, GTP, LMP2, GTD Pro and GTD, and the biggest gap between first to fourth in those. That about 20 minutes ago was just under 10 seconds, most of them down to fractions of a second. Um, okay, subsequently we've had a little flurry of cars running in and out of the pits, but you want your race to be tight the whole way through. It keeps everybody interested. And again, looking at the, the followers out on Twitter, there's so much interest. And then you look where they've come from as well and find out it is a global event and uh, people really, I think, increasingly do stay up through the day, the night, wherever they are to follow these great races. And uh, so I think we really are set for a, a cracking four hours in the booth. Lawrence Van Tor is the leader of the race after 394 laps. And uh, it's a gap of, well, chopping and changing a little bit. Through the last split, back to Maxime Martin was 11 and a bit seconds. So Porsche Penske Motorsports with their 963 entering its second season from the two BMW M Team RLL uh, new prototypes again. New as in a sense that they've had a season's run in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship already. They'll be breaking into the, the World Endurance Championship for the first time in 2024. So BMW spreading their wings, but in a sense, this is ground that they know well, not only now from GTP, but also from their GT, uh, GTLM days, I suppose, too. Plenty of data from that is everything. One of the intriguing things whenever you come in and sit down and examine the screens is how things have changed in the four hours since you last looked at them. And just noticing, noticing the race leader, Lawrence Van Tor, Porsche Penske Motorsport, 23 pit stops thus far. And the BMW's behind him in second and third. Maxime Martin, the 25 car, Augusto Farfus in the 24, 17 and 16 respectively. My maths is good enough to know that people are doing things in different fashions uh, as they go through this race. Ever has been the case, but really the 23 pit stops for number six, to me, is the outstanding element in that and something that uh, could need drilling down to. But uh, Lawrence Van Tor setting very respectable pace at the moment. Um, in fact, pulling clear of Maxime Martin. Okay, you can't just have a vignette of a lap, but uh, a second and a half gained in the race lead last time around by the Flying Belgians. So clearly all is good, all is sweet at the moment. 
Two o'clock in the morning on the dot here in Florida for the 62nd edition of the Daytona 24 Hours. We're just enjoying a wonderful sound in the background of Alexander Sims' Corvette, which is pursuing Alessandro Pierguidi's Ferrari by just 0.3 of a second. So very much in the box seat. It always surprises me to be just a smidge over halfway through this race and for GTD Pro, and is, as an example, to be separated by less than half a second. And they're just pounding round through the trioval and back onto the infield. Uh, that feeling of deja vu because uh, this is a... I suppose it's, it's because the track is in such a confined area, but it's also a relatively short circuit as well. You just get to know every single corner intimately. It's very simple to draw on a map. It, you've learnt it probably after three laps, but then you haven't learned the secrets until you've been here about 20 times, 20 years I'm talking about, uh, event after event. Yeah, and uh, again, you look at the sh format of a track, but the difference with a shift of a few degrees in temperature is just enormous in terms of grip. And uh, over the last, uh, well, still just about coming to a conclusion that D Dubai 24 hours, they've got, of course, the shifting sands that blow across the track as well to just uh, keep the drivers absolutely on the toes. But uh, thankfully here, little further inland and uh, doesn't uh, get the sand blowing in off the beach. That would be quite something. Riding high on the banking and riding there's uh, only 10% of the grip that you had the previous time around. But uh, all really good. But Alexander Sims getting closer and closer to the GTD Pro class leader, which is the 62 Ritzy Competizione Ferrari. Alessandro Piaghidi. When you look at the history of race history, uh, career history of race dri racing drivers, some just have a habit of winning races. Others pick off titles. Piaghidi has been phenomenal in recent years. It doesn't seem to matter what sort of Ferrari he gets into. He absolutely flies in them. And, um, you know, he's, he's clearly just got the whole mental setup as well as all the driving speed. And uh, you do need these faculties. It's not just about, as we know, Johnny, not just about planting a foot and just seeing where it takes you. And, uh, you know, international GT champion, uh, GT World Endurance Championship ship winner in 2021. Phenomenal season. And last year, won that race in France in June, didn't he? Of I've course, Le Mans 24 hours, quite famous. 100th year, 100th running of that, sorry, 100th year of that event, the centenary event. Ferrari arrived, haven't been at the top class since the 1960s. And boom, hey presto, he was one of the winning crew. Also fascinating to compare chariots in this GT Daytona Pro fight because you've got the three litre turbocharged V6 of the Risi Competizione Ferrari 296 of Alessandro Pierre Guidi. Compare that to the number three Corvette which is naturally aspirated five and a half litre lump in the uh, middle of this car and uh, V8 for the Corvette Z06 GT3R which is an out and out GT3 car for this year rather than an adapted GTE model. Yeah, again, ever it should be. I love variety and different ways of uh, chasing after one particular goal, which is winning your class, winning the race outright, and uh, long may it last. And I think, you know, with um, the GT in the GT world, we've just got so many more manufacturers involved than uh, we've had for almost living memory. So it's really exciting times. And for Alexander Sims, you just mentioned he's very close to class leading GTD Pro. Of course, he was running in, in prototypes in the GTP class last year, took the title right at the end of the season. To some people, to his mind, in fact, even Alexander Sims himself has said it just wasn't quite working for him, wasn't quite feeling he was right on it, and had stepped down to GTD Pro, but the best way of kicking off your championship would be to take a class victory. And maybe, just maybe, he'll manage that in that number number three Corvette Racing 
entry there, shared with Antonio Garcia and Danny Juncadea. Gosh, that's quite a lineup in that car. That's what we call probably GTD Pro Plus. Indeed, uh, not strictly a category, but I know entirely what you're saying. Around the world on RS2, IMSA Radio, we're at the track, of course, too, so uh, I'm sure you've found us by now, but 107.9 FM, WDIS, and on Sirius XM Channel 207. And delighted now, from uh, this point for the next four hours, to be joined by uh, all the, everybody consuming this race on NBC and via Peacock as well. It's Johnny and Bruce, the Daytona Night Owls, powered by Sacred Coffee. And we cannot take our eyes off, first of all, the GTD Pro fight between Ferrari and Corvette. And not too far away, the Lamborghini Huracan, just 6.7 seconds back for Frank Pereira in his Iron Lynx number 19 car, but also keeping a keen eye on the 14, nearly 15-second fight between Paul Schapensky Motorsports 963 for Laurent Vantor, and uh, all of a sudden the Ferrari, I noticed, has disappeared from in front of Alexander Sims. That's because it pitted, though, right, Bruce? Well, it was, uh, I looked at my moving or monitor, it, it was right there, and I looked down at the timing screen, and there it wasn't. But uh, I think it had... No, was there a, a change there? No, I, it was a proper no. change. At the start of the lap, it there was four tenths It's between. fine, Bruce. It's come in the pits. I, I thought oh. all of a sudden Sims had pulled off a stonking manoeuvre around the outside, and I was looking down at a timing screen. But it came in the pits. We're fine. Phew. <laughs> 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 Need a bit more sacred coffee to get those eyes even wider open. Well, yes, uh, but, uh, you know, we are blessed with about 17 screens here. So, as I said, question of uh, where to look next. Funny that I just uttered the words, I can't take my eyes off this battle, and then I did. <laughs> Here's the 62 Risi Competizzi Ferroni, uh, Ferrari. Ferroni? Ferrari. And um, thanks to Shea Adam as well, who just buzzed in my ears. Yes, Johnny, it definitely just came in for a routine stop. And nice bit of wheel spin there to get it back underway. That was far too fast to get to get uh, a driver change done there. And Tower Motorsports also in. Michael Dynan's brought the Orica LMP2 car from sixth position down pit road. Felipe Massa has also pitted for Riley in the LMP2 category, so that's going to mean an automatic change of lead because Tom Dillman in the 52 into Europol by PR1 Matson Motorsport Orica will retake the lead. Uh, I haven't mentioned a too, too much about uh, LMP2 because that started to span out a touch. But the nice thing is they're close enough within that category for everything to totally change complexion with just one pit stop. So Massa will now level things up. In fact, that car's pitted 19 times, whereas Dillman... Oh, 19 as well. So, yeah, Massa's taking that stop that he owed us and it'll put Dillman to lead for into Europol. Era Motorsports, Connor Zillish second in the 18 car and Malta Jakobsen for CrowdStrike racing by APR the 04 car now running in third Bruce. Yeah really in the space of 10 minutes chopping and changing but of course that happens in the cycle of pit stops track conditions look absolutely fantastic out there and I must say every time you look at the Daytona International Speedway it looks great in the day but it looks so much better by night and so much illumination on that infield um, run between turns one and turn six and it gets a little darker out on the banking but the drivers have got their their laser eye focus on what lies ahead and it's all about positioning your car when you turn out of uh, turn six to have that long run around uh, half of the banking effectively and then down as it flattens out levels out when they get to the Le Mans chicane a corner that still even with all the practice sessions at Daytona you still get drivers getting caught out going into that uh, chicane left right right left is the format but uh, you've got to get the car absolutely nailed down there yeah, and that, that 
tightrope of setup that is so difficult to get right, and that's the reason why there's so much running for this particular weekend, but then the roar before the 24 as well when qualifying for the main race was done, but there's lots of extra free practice there too. You can choose to have a car that's very, very strong up on the high banks and the long straights, but then you're going to be nowhere for the infield section, which is so crucial. 65 car and the number four Corvette overlapping there, and that was Dirk Muller in the Ford Multimatic Motorsports Mustang, seventh place in class, being lapped by Earl Bamber, so not a change for position. But Earl Bamber, 16.7 seconds adrift of the new GTD Pro leader, Alexander Sims. So it's a Corvette Racing 1-2 for the Z06. And a car that you would have expected to be really in contention goes a lap down. But then to say that here at Daytona, it's very easy to fall off the lead lap. And you shouldn't necessarily think all is lost because you can gain lap backs if there are such a things as cautions. I utter that word advisedly. It would be great to have some sustained running in the darkness hours. And with that, one of the GTPs sweeps by the number 65 Mustang and runs a little too deep, actually, into the international horseshoe. Just about gets away with it. Great driving manners there, though. Running completely different classes, completely different battles. But, <laughs> again, it just shows how hard the drivers are having to push because there was an element of risk there. Are you sure the driver in front has paid attention to you coming through? Oh, hold on a second. You haven't quite got the uh, downforce you were wanting. And uh, sliding a little bit wide through the horseshoe, it really is a circuit of, of just such two parts in so many ways. You've got the horseshoe where it just feels almost like a European circuit in so many ways. And then you get on the banking, there's no other place in the world you'd be other than uh, the USA. And for the drivers, it's something that is just so enticing. When you look at the images, they're iconic. The cars going around the banking at night, going past the individual uh, lamps, the standards at the side of the circuit, high above the wall, and then the different shapes of headlights, the different speeds of cars approaching. Do you recognise another car in the dark? You can tell which class it is, possibly by the closing speed. However, these are things that just you don't learn, I was going to say overnight, you do have to learn them overnight, but you <laughs> don't uh, get them right at the very outset. So as much as you're trying to set up your own car, you've got to be sure of the etiquette out on the banking. It's always fascinating to me how little running you actually get in darkness hours, considering the bulk of this race is held uh, without... Uh, sunshine and it's uh, well over 12 hours worth as the 04 car has just come down into pit road and we'll get fuel only in that car 01 beg your pardon 01 car for Alex Pelot in the Cadillac and it's fuel only says Shea so Pelot keen to get his teeth into his next stint and it's fuel and tyres for the number 7 car of Dane Cameron, so pitting from third position for the Porsche uh, Penske Motorsport 963. Matt Campbell will be the next driver lined up to take the next stint, and there's a drama for Kiffin Simpson in the 81 Dragon Speed Orica. Something flailing, it's a tyre down, I reckon, on the front right corner. Yeah, front, front right has got a square bottom, which isn't yeah. a good sign. The air has gone from that, the tyre wall's about to, to come loose as well. Anyhow, he's done well, Kiffin getting back into the pit lane, the Orica, car number 81, eighth in class, but that would have been a slow in-lap back to the pits. Didn't pick up exactly where the tyre went down, but uh, resting around that final corner to dive into pit in, well done to Kiffin Simpson. So Elton Julian and the gang will be going, good job, right, get it changed, and uh, let's get that car back out on the deck. So Alex Pelot, as Shay described to us off-air, uh, has stayed on board for 
Probably the best part of uh, another hour's worth of action. Assuming uh, nothing untoward happens elsewhere during this stint, but the teams have always got to be ready to be plunged into completely a different direction from a strategy point of view. And very often, if there is the cause to uh, clean up an incident, then you can expect to be under caution for 20 or so minutes and then a decision to be taken. Generally, the call is to get into the pits should we have a yellow, but uh, the teams will be delighted in, well, um, sucking up all the data that is provided by a good, clean spell. So this will help them when they're trying to back time. And, yeah, it seems a strange thing to say, 11 and a half hours away from the checker, but they'll still be trying to work out how many stints there are to go from this point. And if you've just done a pit stop, that's possibly easier to do. One thing that really impresses me, and it's the change in, in this race, is the, the age of some of the drivers. Kiffin Simpson, the driver from Barbados, who just brought the uh, Dragon Speed Orica into the pits, he's still only 19 years old. He's already been a champion in the European Le Mans series last year, so he's clearly got the pedigree. But a few years ago, he just made, dipped his toe in the water, Formula Regional Americas. And uh, here he is, cool, calm, collected, bringing that Dragon Speed Orica in with the flat tyre, not panicking. You can't replace that. You can have the speed, but you've got to have the, the experience and the mental acuity to just keep on top of situations you didn't want to occur. I'm on the banking at Daytona. The uphill front tyre is the one that's gone flat. Yeah. Stay cool. He did. Yeah, well, far more left-handers than right-handers around this place, funnily enough, being a, an anti-clockwise circuit. And also, though, that first sequence of... of turn one into a much tighter turn two can chew through the front right tyre especially considering how the aero works on these cars lots of pressure on the nose by design but you can if you're stretching if you've gone a little bit radical on the canvas not suggesting that particular car has done uh, but that's then very difficult to fine tune once you get to the race so you have to often live with a setup like it or not uh, from the from the off and uh, we're a long way into this race now but that might just be a bit too much curb strike or a lock up here and there that can easily be done coming off the banking and onto the infield section well race leader Lawrence Van Tor into the pits the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport uh, 963 looked like a, a clear regular pit stop it's always that moment when you look into the the eyes of the driver sitting in the car during during the pit stop what's he taking on board clearly he knows he's going out for another stint so stayed on board but uh, what are they thinking of what time's my flight on Sunday night no it's not mm, it's of course they, they, you know they, they've just got to focus on the next stint how's the car handling is it going to be a, a new set of tires put on my car they, they will know in advance oh, oh dearie me the JDC Miller Porsche 963 stuttering to get away from its pit pit box and then <laughs> trying to come into the very neighboring one always happens like that the Iron Dames Lamborghini uh, coming to a halt a bright pink Lamborghini waiting for a driver change there well, Sarah Bovey brought it in. She had to be very alert to that uh, JDC Miller GTP car being on the move, but really they should have waited for the 83 to find its box. The problem is they are very near neighbours. So now that Lamborghini, the 83 Iron Dames car, has come in at a very oblique angle and had to straighten it up 
using the dolly jacks. So away it goes, and we could very easily have had contact there as one car tries to leave, the other one arrives, and actually the JDC Miller car stalled on the way through as well. Had it got away cleanly, that might not have been such a close call. Lessons to be learnt from that one. Michel Gatting getting on board. So the Belgian racer Sarah Bobie hops out of the car. The other tall driver in the lineup because Rahel Fry is uh, rather shorter in stature. And then you've got Dorian Pain, who for most of the last year used to be carried around by Michel Gatting. Every time you had a bit of social media, poor, poor Dorian was being hurled around like a rag doll. I know that's because she requested it. She, it could well be. Yeah, yeah, that's how she got places. <laughs> <laughs> when I said I wanted a lift, I didn't mean a physical one. Yeah, indeed. Um, but, that, I mean, the one thing that uh, they're not short of in that crew is humour. Oh, they're uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and whether that be in person or via social media, just endless entertainment. But then when the helmet goes on and the door goes down of that Lamborghini this year, that boy, do they mean business. And they've got some tremendous results through the years, whether it be in a Ferrari in the past... Porsche last year in ACO Rules Racing and this Lamborghini in the GT3 world. Yeah, and I mean in the World Endurance Championship last year, of course, it was the bronze drivers in, in, the, bo in the bottom GT class that, that would go out and for, for, to try and set uh, the qualifying times. And uh, Sarah Bovey was just grabbing class pole positions by the, by the cluster, by the handful. Yeah. Yeah, they know how to do it. And the 83, then car, 85 car rather rejoining as we can head to Pit Road to Shay Adam to hear from Louis Denetras. Louis, a couple of big questions for you, but the first thing, what happened out there when the car completely turned off? Uh, to be honest, I have no idea. Uh, obviously, we got, it's very sad what happened to the 10, which lost, I don't know, 40 laps or something. The car just switched off and uh, very similar for us. I was out of turn five and yeah, the car switched off. So at that point, I thought it was game over. I tried to power cycle, didn't work. Uh, I went out pressed the outside buttons, went back in for a second again and it restarted, so no idea if it's me or just some time, but I mean, it's back on, we only lost a lap, which is, means we're still in the race, and uh, yeah, car feels fast, so hopefully we get it to the end. How did you manage to get your belts done up again? Sorry? How did you manage to get your belts done up again? It's hard enough to do it when you're sitting here in the pit lane. It's very hard, actually, it was quite quick, also the marshals helped me a little bit, um, but yeah, I think we don't see so well in this prototype, so put the head down, pull the head net and just try it. I mean, it's survival. We have to get the car back on quick. So maybe it is luck turning your way a little bit. As you said, it's still early on, only one lap down. This team is not giving up. Definitely the lap is not a problem. Luck, I don't know if we can call this luck. Uh, but definitely we're trying to find pace and push to the front. Thanks, Louis. Louis Delatraz chatting to Shea Adam in that crowd strike pit reports. And it goes back to my point that you... He said definitely not a problem to get the lap back, but we possibly have bigger fish to fry right now. From the number 40, Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti Acura. And uh, Wayne Taylor quite public, actually, to Joe Bradley earlier in the weekend, suggesting that the pace on the face of things was OK, but when you link lots of laps together and create a stint, he just felt that they were nowhere, and it's very easily... We could be lapped. We could end up a few laps down, and... Um, Wayne, it, it felt he knew precisely the reason why that was. He just didn't want to tell Joe at the time and uh, may not be particularly forthcoming towards the end of the race if he gets the result they think they might. But you just never know with this place because I've heard people really uh, very concerned about how, the, how a Daytona 24 hours may go and then by Sunday afternoon they've won the thing. 
So who well, knows? Oh well, let's face it. Wayne Taylor run cars have won an awful lot of things in the True. Daytona 24 hours. But certainly in that interview on on Friday, he really was down in the shoulder. It must be said, and uh, we couldn't see his face at the time. But I imagine the corner of his mouth were going down. Was a little twinkle in his eye. I didn't get that coming from Joe. Well, plenty of action in the GT Daytona Pro class, and it was Ferrari versus Corvette for many, many laps. The Corvette we're talking about was the number three, and driving that, Alexander Sims, but he's now out of the car show. Alexander, you were the defending GTP champion, and you just got out of the Corvette, which is your full season ride, from the lead of the Daytona 24 hours. I think Gibson Racing really likes you. Well, it's just, just fun being back in the Corvette. Um, you know, mixing it with the, the top guys in GTD, cars feeling really nice. Um, yeah, I've said it plenty of times already, but um, yeah, it just, just feels more natural to drive these things for me. So, um, yeah, really, really enjoying it so far. What's it like working with this group of people that you've been with before as a third driver, but now primary guy? Well, um, yeah, it's nice to have a bit more responsibility because as the third driver, you generally just get stuck in the middle of the race and uh, told to do your job, don't mess it up and bring it back in one piece. Um, expecting this season to have a, a bit more responsibility, um, which is cool, but um, yeah, the Pratt Miller guys know how to run a good car, a slick race, um, give me all the, the help that I need. So yeah, it's, it's been a great start to the season, but yeah, really looking forward to the to what's to come as well. Are you sure you were just out in the car for a long time because you look very calm, cool, and collected? How comfortable is the Corvette to drive? Well, honestly, it's working pretty well in the night. Um, the balance is nice, not having to fight it too much. But, um, yeah, I had plenty of lats sat behind the, the Ferrari in the slipstream and just just holding on to him. Um, really good fun, really good fun out there. Caught, yeah, as I said, the Corvette's working well. Um, we'll we just got to keep the thing in one piece. No, no knocks or anything, and uh, be there at the end. Fingers crossed for the number three Corvette. Thanks, Alexander. Thanks a lot, Shay. There's another CrowdStrike pit report with Shay Adam chatting to Alexander Sims, sharing that car this year with uh, Antonio Garcia and Daniel Juncader. I'm not sure whether that's whether whether Alex has had to learn a little bit of Spanish. Mind you, those two guys can speak exemplary English, so I don't know. Maybe a bit of a combination of the two, together with uh, some mean Detroit. Uh, to mix in with it as well but the Corvette he's very happy with and funnily enough it can be quite relaxing I suppose to just be in the slipstream of another car because the Ferrari was doing a lot of the hard work there punching the hole in the air and making the process not not especially easy for Alexander Sims but uh, as comfortable as it might be in the GT Daytona Pro car and that suggests to me that he wasn't you know, as, as eager necessarily to get by the Ferrari because you can also f save a bit of fuel, quite a bit of fuel, when you're not having to create that aero force. Yeah, and I, th I think you don't become beguiled by it, but you're sitting there and you're just, if I'm matching their pattern, I'm doing a good job, they're taking the airflow off the front of my car, you know, that might help a bit with fuel consumption. And it was a, a really good measured drive there from Alexander Sims. He's always a good interview. And, uh, you know, again... Shea wasn't entirely sure he'd been in the car. He looked so cool, calm and collected. But that, that is Alexander. He just has things very, very much under control. The pit lane, remarkably empty at this, uh, this point in the early morning. And again, it's that huge speed differential as the cars are 
wending their way towards the exit of the pit lane, which of course doesn't come out into turn one. That would be disastrous as the cars are coming off the banking, but you have to go around, take a couple of left-handers, and then you rejoin the circuit, uh, just coming up towards uh, turn two as the cars go into the International Horseshoe. But uh, again, it's just a wonderful high shot when the cameras look down onto the cars, and just the speed differential is astonishing. So the change for the lead of the race just a few moments ago involved Tom Blomqvist getting a phenomenal run on Laurence Vantor. This was coming out of the second uh, speedway corner, so turn two on the high banks, and around the outside into the Le Mans chicane. Boy, uh, did uh, Tom Blomqvist need to know the dimensions of his Cadillac to know that he was safe to break into the chicane and not clip the nose of Laurence Vantor. So that's heads-up driving and then some. Uh, but obviously the slingshot out of, well, not just turn two and not really turn one either, but it, it all started coming off the infield, up onto the, uh, the heavily cambered section, and Blomqvist had that marginal, slightly better run than Laurence Vantor, which all came into a head in the braking area for the chicane. And, you know, I just think that's indicative of the form the Cadillacs have had coming into this race. Every time they've been out on the track, they've been looking super good, but maybe that's one of their super strengths going up on the banking. In terms of straight-line speed, they look very, very effective. You know, when you put racing cars side-by-side side in that imaginary world in our heads... Some just look sleeker than others, and the Cadillac has looked amazing ever since it's come out. It's always had a burst of speed, but I really do think this year they're going to start uh, reaping the rewards. But for Tom Blomqvist, two wins in a row, 2022 and 2023 victories here, but he was racing an Acura, of course, in both of those uh, for the, the Maya Shank team. But uh, right now he's really adapting very, very well indeed to the Cadillac. And uh, 19 pit stops under his belt. We talked about this before. Five pit stops more for the car he's just overtaken, which is the number, number six uh, Porsche 963 from Porsche Penske Motorsport. So doing things differently, but Blomqvist made it look easy going around the outside of Lawrence Van Tour. Lawrence not very long into this stint, though, so settling down. But, you know, you, we, we talk about what you try and do through the long, long night at Daytona. We just heard it from Alexander Sims. Don't damage the car. Yeah. And so if you've got a choice and someone's really pushing you, you know, sometimes it's better just to let them go. Very difficult to negotiate all of this uh, GTD and pro traffic on the infield for Tom Blomqvist now. But he was calm and collected and knowing that you don't need to do anything heroic on the infield. You've just got to allow the gaps to emerge slowly and surely because if you try and press the issue too much, you can be speared off onto the grass and worse into the concrete wall which is on driver's left and if you go far enough driver's right as well so you've just got to allow the GT traffic to almost make the gap for you it's a bit like driving a, a cop car or an ambulance through busy traffic and just you know not try and force the the gap to open just to allow it to do so in a natural way and now his reward is an open road just about GTD Pro and uh, GTD traffic staying well over to the left as they're instructed to do in the driver's briefing into the tri-oval and now a clear road in front through the blind corner of turn number one albeit briefly because right up ahead in the international horseshoe is a big collection of tail lights and the second place car of Laurence Vantor is obviously going to find this traffic a couple of seconds behind so needing to brake just before he overtakes one of the two bright yellow Pratt & Miller Corvettes, I think was the number four car of Earl Bamber, who had time to stay over, well over to the right just before that kink between the two horseshoes. 
Yeah, it's just working out where you're going to place your cars in certain classes. And I was reading, reading someone's autobiography a while ago who raced at Daytona, naming no names, quite a long time ago. And he said he'd been instructed, you don't go high on the banking, that's where the quick cars come through. But he said the first time he was up on the banking, he didn't, didn't manage to spot a quicker car coming up and just happened, happened to drift up there. And somehow the quicker car got through without uh, touching car or wall. But afterwards he had to come into the pits with a sort of inbuilt excuse. Oh, yes, I had an electrical problem. But he said that was absolutely eye-opening. Opening. I was back in the 80s. The lights on the cars were very different indeed. The speed differentials seemed to be even larger. Got away with it. But uh, again, it's all about gaining the experience and, and trust in your car as well. But it really is, if you're in a GT-class car, you stay low and the prototypes come through above. Now, the five Proton Competition Mustang sampling 963 in the GTP class, that's recently had to serve a drive-through for the same reasons as the number six, which runs in second place in the hands of Laurence Vantor, and that's the failure to adhere to the controlled powertrain parameters. So something, again, within this season's regulations that everyone, say everyone, the team managers need to keep a watchful eye on, plus, uh, no doubt, a dedicated engineer. It's the same reason for the amount of pit stops for the number six compared to the other GTP cars. The six has also had a stop and hold for 10 seconds and had to reserve a drive-through penalty as the, the uh, light at the end of the pit lane indicating that the pit was closed came on as they got to the pit limiter line. So effectively, they were beyond almost the point of no return. But nevertheless, the pit light comes on, means you can't breach it. And they unfortunately did. So the six has not had a pleasant time of late. Meanwhile, hearing in the background now, one of the two BMWs, hybrid V8s, Rene Rast in third, Dries Van Tour in fifth, and the BMW for a time has a spell up in second place. It will have led laps as well previously. It's uh, when you combine the gaps between Blomqvist and Van Tour and then back to Rast's car, about 30 seconds back when a lap time around here is 137, 138 occasionally 139 so they're about a third of a lap back from the race leading car of Tom Blomqvist it's 2.30 in the morning here in Florida for the 62nd edition of the Daytona 24 hours I'll give you a rundown actually of how we sit with 12 hours and nearly 49 minutes gone so 11 in fact if I wait five more seconds I can say that there are 11 hours 11 minutes and 11 seconds to go. And it's Tom Blomqvist leading for the wheel and engineering Cadillac V-Series R. 413 laps done uh, with a 5.1 second lead over Porsche 963 of Penske Motorsports and Lawrence Vantor and Rene Rass for the BMW M Team RLL's crew with their hybrid V8 running in third. LMP2, now their car, the cars in that category run from 10th overall back to 17th. Tom Dillman for Inter Europol by PR1 Matheson Motorsports lead that class, car 52, but only by 0.8 of a second. So if you're here at the track and listening on 107.9 FM, WDIS, then look out for the 52 LMP2 car. And right on its tail will be the number 18 of Kolozilish for ERA Motorsports. There's a drama for the 24. We'll get to that in a tick. Felipe Massa in the 74 LMP2 car 
for Riley is in third. In GT Daytona Pro, Daniel Juncadea now leads for Corvette, car number three, ahead of the 62 Risi Competizioni, Ferrari, Alessandro Pierguidi, and Franck Pereira for Iron Links in the Lamborghini Huracan, number 19, is third in Pro. And in GT Daytona, Kenton Cook for Courtoff Preston Motorsports. The Mercedes are leading in the 32 car from the 57 Indy Doncha Mercedes Windward Racing and the Inception Racing McLaren 720S of Brendan Reeb, car number 70. That's a VP in-race update. We'll do another one of those in around about an hour's time, but we have gone full course caution because of the problems for car 24. It's on the infield on the exit of the International Horseshoe, and uh, that car needing some outside assistance was running in ninth position, Dries Van Tours BMW. In fact, um, at, it was the time, at the, that, the time it? of the moment, it was running rather higher than that. It was Indeed. about sixth or seventh position. But I it's think it was fifth, actually. Fifth, was it? Yes. Yeah. It dropped down slightly because uh, when we came into the into the booth, they were second and third. But uh, obviously, as others have made their pit stops. But the lights are on, but it's going nowhere. Two course vehicles alongside. And um, a couple of people may be talking to Dries Van Tor. Certainly from the pits, they'll be talking to him from uh, the BMW crew. But it's going nowhere. The sister car is in, still in third place, number 25, Rennie Rast. But uh, still waiting to see what is going to happen. There's, it's definitely been conversations with uh, Dries from the outside of the car, or maybe gesticulations. Uh, but right now, it's going absolutely nowhere. Still full course yellow. Just over 11 hours remain in this the 60-second running of the Daytona 24 hours. So, yeah, I really put the kibosh on that because I said the BMWs had had a strong race to this point. And let's hope Rene Rast continues to pound round. And, that, of course, what will, this will provide is the opportunity to close the gap that had stretched to half a minute between his car and Tom Blomqvist. They'll be right together at the restart. But the issue for Dries Vantor and the others in car 24 is that they're easily going to fall off the lead. Well, they weren't quite there anyway, but yet more laps are being lost no overtaking permitted, obviously, under a full-course yellow, unless you're a stopped car, and then you're being directly waved past it. And sadly for this BMW crew, they may now have to concentrate on just the one car. I mean, they'll keep the 24 going if they can, but uh, it, it'll, first of all, have to try and get back to the pit lane area under its own steam, and then there may well need to be some lengthy work behind the wall because there's only limited stuff you can do on the pit lane apron. And then we've got to look forward to the um, the typical full course caution procedure, which first of all is lining everybody up and then the pit lane will reopen and we'll have an incredible busy spell of action for the GTPs and the LMP2s and then the GT cars. So the lights are bright on the, on the giant wheel illuminating its patch of the circuit, but are the lights on in for Dries Van Tour? Down in ninth position, but stationary, uh, just on the approach to uh, turn six, the end of the international horseshoe, but uh, saw the car suddenly take a jump, but that was actually the, the one of the doors being slammed back shut. So Dries still working away, and now we've got about uh, six, about six people around the car trying to work out what to do to get it out of the way. So, I've given it a big build-up. Let's get straight to the GTP uh, stops because Shay Adam is watching. It's going to be fuel only for most of the cars that have come into the pit lane, at least so far for the number six Penske. 
Uh, that Porsche getting fuel and a windshield clean. There's a drinks bottle change for the number 10 Konica Minolta Acura. And for Tom Longfist, well, they gave him the full service last time, so it's just fuel for him this time. Lawrence Vantor, the first car to roll back down the lane in the Porsche for Penske Motorsport. And the BMW is taking fuel, but they are also cleaning the windshield of the 25 as it rolls off again. And let's make sure it safely rejoins alongside the 74 Riley. It does. Last car to leave was actually the 31, aside from the 10, sorry, the last car of the leading group. Also into the pit lane, the 01 Cadillac. This for uh, the Chip Ganassi run team. This is fuel and tires, as well as a driver change. Alex Pillow is out. Ranger Bandazanda is in. Yeah, so Alex actually didn't need to do a great deal more running. We talked about in the previous stop him staying in the car, and if it was a full stint, I mean, he's perfectly capable of doing it. And uh, when you get in the rhythm, you kind of don't want that flow disrupted. But a full course yellow can easily do that. And a chance, therefore, for the team to reflect on their current run of strategy. You're tuned to RS2 IMSA Radio around the world, of course, on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. We're at the track on 107.9 FM WDIS and Channel 207 Sirius XM. And delighted that uh, we have also been joined by... The NBC audience, too. So if you're watching on there, hello from the Daytona Night Owls, powered by Sacred Coffee. We're on Peacock as well for this four-hour spell in the early hours of Sunday morning for the 62nd edition of the Daytona 24 Hours. Bruce and Johnny through till 6 a.m. And then we'll have a couple of hours away, and we're back again for breakfast, effectively. Uh, we ate till 11 that we're back on again. In my world, that's the second breakfast of the day, of course. True. We're munching our way through the first right now, accompanied by Sacred Coffee. And Matt Campbell has not come into pit lane, the number seven car. Am I right in saying he stayed out? Yeah, because he's now taken the lead in the Penske Motorsport 963. Cars rejoining then. The 6 Porsche, the 25 BMW, as the sister 24 BMW is now towed from its resting point from the infield. So it being giving a helping hand, at least back to the paddock area. The 31 Tom Blomqvist-driven Cadillac from Whelan Engineering and the sister Cadillac car of Renga van der Zander, as Shea reported in her CrowdStrike pit report. The 01 in fifth place. LMP2's returning to uh, the track as well. So 52 still leading the 18, it appears. Kuba Schmilhofsky and Ryan DL, the new drivers there, as the GTD Pro and the GTD cars are pitting chain. I know that our friend Rooftop Ray is helping us out. So, Ray Ray, if you will watch the number one PMR BMW so that Johnny and Bruce can keep an eye on that, I'm watching the number four Corvette because these are the two cars that I have seen so far that are doing brake changes under this caution. The brakes are already off of the four Corvette. For the front, they are replacing the new ones on the, uh, let's see, they are AP racing brakes uh, as far as the pads are concerned. They've got the tools out to re-secure the discs into their positions. It's discs and rotors and pads and the whole uh, the whole shebang. Let's see, new Michelin tire? No, it's the same Michelin tire that they pulled off, which is good. So Earl Bamber will know what kind of rubber he's got underneath him. Big clout to the nose of this car, actually, uh, where the radiator normally would sit, uh, the air intake in the front of the car. Wheels have gone back on. And let's see, car drops off the air jacks. Earl is told to fire it up and leave. Here is PMR in their brake change. I hope you boys can see it. 
We're trying to keep our eyes on uh, a number of things during this stop uh, with thanks to Rooftop Ray for a far better vision than I can muster right now. Doing a sterling job again, Ray Winston Jr., as he does so often, keeping us covered in the early morning stint. And uh, the number one BMW looking like it will rejoin now. Tyres being changed on the 62, Risi Competizione Ferrari. Alessandro Pierre Guidi's just brought that in, and the brakes have changed, as Shay mentioned. So tyres going, or tyres and wheels going back on after that substantial change, but it always amazes me how quickly they could do that. And just beyond the half distance marker, should be set for the rest of the race now, Reese. Well, exactly so. I think it seems to be going. Could someone just throw a full course yellow? Thank you very much, Dries Van Tour. Unfortunately for Dries, he's. He's fallen down the order quite a bit there. He's lost about three laps due to that stoppage and the car, of course, being towed back in. So let's see whether that car gets to continue or is it going to be a long time behind the wall being repaired. So there were two bullets in the gun for the BMW crew. Now it's down to just one by the looks of things. Uh, I mentioned, Shay, that the 7 did not pit as far as we can tell. You might have a theory on that. And what else is happening on pit road? There's a new nose on the wall for the 7 Porsche, as well as another bit of body paneling. So maybe they've got a bit more work to do, and that would have blocked the pit exit for the sister car, the number 6. Um, but a very substantial moment just now. The number 12 Lexus had a full service as well. They did a brake change. They're still in their box. They had just rolled about 10 seconds ago. I'm walking out sort of a little bit further into the fast lane to see if the pit exit light is on. And it is, even though the cars that were trapped between themselves uh, and their leader and then when everybody else came into pit, they got the opportunity to now take the wave by. Those cars are going around at full speed. The pits are open for anyone this time around. And yes, indeed, the number seven is coming in for that service. But the number 12, Lexus, from Vaster Sullivan, just went from the top three in GTD to needing to fight its way back up through the field. Yes, now it has fresh brakes, but so do some of its Competitors, and they got their brake change done a lot faster. All right, looking at this number seven for Porsche Penske Motorsport, it is a new nose going on the car. And let's see, are they doing any other work? There is one mechanic around the right-hand side. And yes, new number panel going on the right-hand side of this car. So the illumination system uh, perhaps was a little bit too faint, too dirty for the marshals. That is a safety problem. That is something that would have needed to be redressed with a pit stop. They're putting the new panel on, and Bert is overseeing it to make sure that it does fire up. And Oh, yeah, that's that's right. That should uh, suffice for all of our hardworking marshals out around the track. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your time and your service. We couldn't do this without you. Now, there's two very clean parts on the uh, Porsche, the number seven, the number panel, and the nose, neither of which will stay clean for very long. So back into the race will go Matt Campbell in car seven. Um, meanwhile, you couldn't quite make up what's going on on the infield because the BMW number 24, the uh, GTP car, has got as far as the other side of the track from where it broke down. So it broke down on the exit of the International Horseshoe. The idea was to try and tow it into the back of the paddock via that route out of turn one and into the international horseshoe they got as far as the turning point to turn left across the flow of traffic and obviously waited for a gap and in the two the tow truck and the car and the car it was towing coming to a halt either the towing strop has failed or it has simply fallen off the tow oh it's pinged off the back of the pickup truck so the guys driving the four by four turn left and think everything's hunky-dory here 
then look in the mirrors and think, hang on, where's the BMW gone? And it's still stuck on the track because the towing strop is no longer connected. And now poor old Dries Vantor's thinking, well, what do I do now? I've got no power in the belly and I can't move from where I am. I'm on, the, on a live racetrack. Now the guys have pulled back onto the, onto the road from the paddock area. Another tow truck, oh, in fact, that's the, um, the dryers that are uh, tending to the track that have just gone by. And now they're trying to work out whether this tow rope has properly snapped and needs to be binned. It looks like well, that is the case. Yeah, and a new one needs to be sourced. It would be better that, that was the case than if the, the hooking point, the, the, the point from which it would be towed, has had any failure, but yes, they brought a new towing strop out onto the circuit. Dries Van Tor, it's a 24-hour race. He, he feels he's spent at least 24 hours in this problem alone. He's uh, plummeted off the lead lap. He's down last in the GTP class. He's now six laps in arrears, but the fact the lights are on, the car is going nowhere. Oh, the number 24 car. This is a disaster. And bear in mind, what, 20 minutes ago? All was running smoothly, all was looking good. Get through the night, that little mantra. They were running second and third. They moved down to about uh, third and fourth. All was looking good then for the Belgian racer, while his brother, Lawrence, leads uh, the race for Porsche Penske Motorsport in the number six. Uh, this recovery has been a real cluster for them. It just has not worked. It was very, took quite a while to get the car moving, get it yep. hooked up, and then just when it looks like they've done the hard yards, they're about to get it back into the back of the paddock and be able to work on the car, sitting in the track. Driver being spoken to, the door is up, but no one's actually fixing anything anew to the front of the uh, BMW. Let's see what happens next. But the race recovery vehicle comes into position. In fact, a second race recovery vehicle, a far more important and larger one. A, a, a real proper tow truck has come into, onto the scene. But for Dries Van Tor, sitting there, very, very hot under the collar, no doubt. I just wonder whether something in the drivetrain has become jammed so that as the pickup truck pulled away, the car it was towing refused to move and the only thing that was going to break first was the, the towing strop itself. But it pinged away with quite some energy, thankfully to a safe area over the top of the car. Everyone driving, driving and sitting in the pickup truck wearing head protection, as most people working here at the Daytona International Speedway do, but there was that moment as two of them got out and went, hang on, the pickup truck's there, Yes. but the BMW GTP's over there. How did that happen? OK, I can tell you what is happening right now. Is Dries Van Tor has been invited out of the car, and he's now been put into a rapid response vehicle and the BMW is still sitting on the circuit so Dries is going to leave the scene of the crime the scene at which the, uh, the towing strap came off I mean the difference is I thought they managed suddenly to bump start the car because we had lights coming onto it certainly when it was sitting on the entrance to turn six nothing was happening and now steps towing with a far more serious vehicle and a great big tow hook again to go onto the roof of that car is going to lift it off terra firma and move it away from the side of the track so it's sitting there Dries is no further with the car so I think the marker pen of shame, of doom, is probably going to go through number 24. Uh, it, I mean, it didn't look particularly promising anyway with the 24 car, which incidentally has, well, I was going to say slipped to 24th position. That might just be that the, the, the number system has reset to the race number now, but it's going to have to be a straight lift and maybe directly into the back of the paddock. So perhaps RLL will see this car sooner rather than later. No, it's going to be on a flatbed, and then maybe the flatbed will drive in. But this is just a sustained recovery that, and a headache that Dries Van Tor really did not need after running, well, a clean race till this point, up in fifth spots, but dramatically dropping down the standings. Uh, Shay was just buzzing me with some news. I totally missed that, Shay. So by all means, uh, crack on air now to tell me what you were trying to feed to us. 
Ah, I, I was just saying, don't don't get the marker pen to Dumo yet. Maybe no. the, the pencil of questioning. Um, but it could be that they removed Reese from the car because they needed to put it on the flatbed, and they can't do that with the driver aboard. I see. So, yeah, uh, obeying the regulations, driver has to be out and separate from the car. But, no, I, they'll still want to finish the race because half the battle is, you know, just fighting the 24 hours of this event. But from what could have been a very promising result for BMW... It's uh, one real threatening bullet in the gun compared to a car that might still just about make the finish. As Dries Van Tor clambers out, and if he didn't think all was lost to this point, he possibly does think that now, although he'll still be keen for some stints later on this morning. It's RS2 Emsa Radio with uh, a longer full-course yellow than we were expecting. Lawrence Van Tor emerging from that... Uh, group of pit stops as the race leader in the Penske Motorsport 963 from the other BMW of Rene Ras now up to second place and Tom Blomqvist's Whalen Engineering Cadillac V-Series R running in third ahead of the sister car 0-1 so 31 and 0-1 are in third and fourth positions and no changes since the pit stops in LMP2 with Inter Europol by PR1 Matheson leading with Kuba Schmichowski, the Polish driver, number 52, ahead of Ryan Diel for Aero Motorsport and Riley. Uh, they did do a, a driver change with Philippe Fraga taking charge of the number 74, Bruce Jones. Obviously still running under full course yellow, but uh, so that at least reduces the loss of, of time that uh, Dries Van Tour and the number 24 BMW have had. They're now eight laps down, but of course, once the track goes green, the, the number of laps they're falling back by will increase inordinately but they're still clear of the best of the PT, P2 runners and that's 10th uh, place overall Kuba Schmikowski just mentioned him Johnny uh, car number 52 one of the many Oricas into Europol competition leading that class uh, from Ryan Dayel there was the driver change just uh, very recently in that run of pit stops Ryan uh, taking over from young Connor Zillish and when I say young Connor Zillish I mean his race career is remarkably short um, but it takes up almost no lines at all in my sort of uh, great big uh, non-digital chart of uh, who's done what but uh, again just seeing young drivers coming in and having a crack in sports cars and uh, certainly Connor has uh, impressed inordinately but it's just the fact that his birth was the mid midway through 2006 that still slightly gets to me here he is under the lights and running he was running second in the P2 class doing just a fantastic job for era motorsport so yeah it's great to have the new faces coming in but gosh aren't they young and how quickly they adapt to their new surroundings as well. The style of racing here at uh, Daytona International Speedway, very different from anywhere else, really. Um, hearing uh, probably five or six years ago from newbies in that period of time that, you know, you almost, on the high banks, need a cutout of the roof if you're driving a GT car because the bit of road that you really want to be focused on, the windshield doesn't cover because you're tucked in quite low down in the car and you're looking really out towards the top of the A-pillar for your next turning point and your braking point. And, uh, it starts to really ache on the neck, but these are the things that you know, are second nature to those people that have been coming to this place for 25 years plus but you have to adapt to very swiftly if it's your first time. Yeah, and also if you're driving a GT-class car, you generally have to stay lower on the banking, so there's more banking up ahead of you, up above you, that you cannot see. At least yeah. in a prototype, you're up at the top. That's your, your lane, your speedy lane at the top. But again, these things you don't think about until you're physically out there in the car. People can tell you, but you never know the degree of what they're talking about. 
So, still a full course yellow, just under 11 hours remaining in the 60-second running and just waiting for the, the circuit to go green, I would suggest, with the number 24 BMW having been flat-bedded away back into the paddock. Here we go, shaping up for a restart, and the green is displayed, so already the overlapping taking place for fourth and fifth positions. Around the outside will try and go uh, Matt Campbell on Renga van der Sander. There's... Uh, also, side-by-side -side action just tucked in behind there. That was actually Tom Blomqvist who was trying to make the move. Renga van der Zander involved as well, and up over the kerbs went the number uh, 10 car. So, trying to force his way through. A ter terrific driving from, well, all of those cars out front. Lawrence Vantor has just about scampered away ahead of Rene Ras, so it's Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 ahead of the BMW hybrid V8 of Rene Rast. And for now, we'll call that the remaining BMW in the GTP class, but let's hope, fingers crossed, they can, the crew can get number 24 back into the action, but that's obviously fallen an enormous number of laps away from the GTP uh, class pack. That's now nine laps down. Dries Van Tool back in the paddock, but importantly, so is that number 24. So the 10 car being driven by Marcus Ericsson. If you're wondering where on earth Marcus is in the order, well, it's 48th, but it's not preventing that car from holding back. And 10th in class, that's the reason why the 10 is displayed on the digital readout. But when you combine all of the cars, they say down in 48th spot, side-by-side -side action as well as we hit the restart for the GTD cars. And 57 Indy Doncha, there was a spinner there in the GT Daytona Pro cars right ahead of Indy Doncha. That happened a couple of seconds ago at the restart and a real plume of tyre smoke. Uh, good avoidance driving as Doncha has in front of him the number nine GT uh, car as well. So all manner of things going on there. Ollie Jarvis in the FAF Motorsport McLaren trying to stay out of trouble. I'd like to see that moment again to uh, actually work out who was having the moment, whether there were a couple of cars involved. Difficult to, s to tell in this level of light. Let's just head to pit road to get this CrowdStrike pit report from Shea. More bad news for double-numbered cars, guys. The 55 Ford Mustang of Proton competition is officially a retirement, and I'm hearing that the 66 of Gradient Racing will be the first-ever Acura GT3 retirement coming up here soon. They are still trying to assess if they can fix the car, but as it looks right now, we're not going to have any double numbers finishing this race. Thanks, Shay. Yeah, it's uh, funny how those patterns play out, and... Uh the flip side of having a tremendous run to this point is that there are always going to be those cars that are swiftly into retirement far, far early in the big enduro of the year. But um, all the more reason to come fighting back, I suppose, at Sebring, the next round of the championship in a couple of months' time. As now the GT Daytona Pro Cars head up onto the high banking through speedway turn one and two. And the number 70 car of Ollie Milroy for Inception Racing, actually one of the GTD cars running in fourth position, that McLaren. And on its boot lid is the Corvette number four running in GT Daytona Pro. And in third place for Earl Bamber, so he's looking to stick a lap on the McLaren up ahead. Plotting his course, trying to go high, but certainly 
Uh, the car in front just sitting where it needs to be if you want to come past you've got to come past on the high side so ollie milroy british racer and that's uh, one of several mclarens in the race just doing the job he does so many years now he's been tied up with uh, brendan he bringing brendan's career on Fre freddie shandoff the danish driver in that crew is the driver who normally sets the times but young uh, tom gamble also in the mix uh, for the Inception Racing McLaren. Ah, it wasn't a GT car spinning in front of the GT field. It was actually an LMP2 car, a bright orange and white machine. So from your spotter's guide, you might be able to, through a process of elimination, work out precisely which one that was. Well, I think it's probably the Riley car, number 74. That's the one with the most orange on its flanks. But yeah, okay. maybe orange and white, it could also be... Um, the Tower, Tower Motorsport. Yeah, Tower Motorsport's got more white on it, so I guess it was number eight. And let's see who's at the wheel of that at the time. Well, Sean McLaughlin, sorry, Scott McLaughlin uh, driving the number eight car. And if it was, which was the other one you suggested, the Riley. That's just made a stop, actually. So was that for a new set of tyres, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, Philippe, Philippe Farraga must have been the 74 spinning car then. Uh, running round on its own now and it's just made a stop probably because of uh, a full set of tires that were flat spotted in that moment cool coolish tires remember no tire warmers and uh, no opportunity really to keep the temp up when you're tootling around at full course caution speeds three gt cars absolutely together but uh, if you're joining us on NBC and Peacock, look to the right-hand side, and there is Felipe Fraga with his moment in the number 74 Riley. And the GTD Pro and GTD Traffic doing incredibly well to not get, invo not get involved with that. You know, you really have to set yourself up for the corners coming up ahead when you're moving up onto the banking, coming out of the uh, Le Mans chicane, and you sort of set your course, and then when something untowards occurs you've suddenly got to almost snap out of not reverie but you've just really really got to uh, have an ability to change your change exactly where you want to put the car and particularly when you've got a prototype coming past as well you, you've already cut them a bit of slack and there isn't much more slack to cut but uh, good ev evasion there from all the drivers keeping out of the way of that Riley car as it went for its moment Now, let's hope we can settle down. We had that period of full-course yellow while the uh, number 24 BMW was uh, cleared up for the BMW M Team RLL. That has now finally got back to the paddock. It'll be interesting to find out what is happening with that in terms of uh, what they think it is and whether they think they can uh, get it sorted. Now, just uh, as a couple of the cars, including the number 131 Cadillac, were going into the Le Mans chicane, it looked as though there was a car moving very slowly just on driver's left before that Le Mans chicane. We'll see gonna, if we can work that out. We're going to go caution as a result of it. So the yellow lights up on the high banking just beyond the safer barrier indicating to everybody there through speedway turns three and four that they must rein back the speed. And this is only a short spell after the previous caution. Still haven't quite ascertained which car has caused this, but yeah, another semi-stoppage, if you like. How long was that uh, span of green running? Only just over six minutes, I make it. So we had a 20-minute full-course caution. Now six minutes, and Shane knows the regulations back to front. Does that, this now mean that this can be a quick caution if that car can be recovered? Um, and it does. Yeah, we don't necessarily have to go, or we don't at all need to go through the full uh, pit calling um, system, rigmarole, if you like. It's the zero one car that stopped. So this is the big, big story now of uh, Renger van der Zander is put into that car 
at the latest pit stop. Yes, and Renge was charging hard at the restart. I didn't see any contact for this car and can't see any damage on it, visually at least, but that's not to say that something inside has gone somewhat awry. There are an awful lot of electronics that run on this car, and of course, the uh, marshals need to make sure there's a green light illuminated on these hybrid cars as well to make sure that they're safe to touch, Bruce. Yeah, a rescue vehicle pulling up behind, but this is another last handful of years with the hybrid racing cars. It's been a real learning, steep learning curve, and the drivers can't afford to just hop on board and uh, disregard the elements they have to do. But Renger, the Dutch driver, is getting out. Bear in mind at this restart, the blink of an eye ago, uh, he was uh, dicing in third and fourth position, that 0-1 Cadillac, but now he's tumbling down the order and climbing out. All I saw just before the full course yellow, I saw a flash of yellow moving slowly. In fact, ironically, the, the one I picked it up from was on board the number 31, the other Cadillac at the front end of the race, uh, being driven uh, by Tom Blomqvist, went flashing past. I couldn't even see what sort of car it was. All I saw was yellow, which was the front end of that car. And now Renger is walking away. More rescue vehicles, including a tow truck, have pulled in position. So out on the back part of the circuit, just on the towards the entrance of the Le Mans chicane, down on the apron at the side of the circuit. And for Renger, oh, what disappointment. Clearly the car was going well. He was happy enough to attack. And now the gun has been spiked. 3 a.m. at Daytona. You're tuned to the Night Owls with Sacred segment of our broadcast. We're on RS2, IMSA Radio, around the world. 107.9 FM here at the track on NBC and Peacock. Delighted to have your company. And I'm sorry to bring bad news for Cadillac fans and those been following the Cadillac Racing 0-1 car to this point. This race just has a habit of biting when you least expect it. Of course, race cars don't necessarily like uh, being uh, absolutely gunned for a segment, and then you get a full-course caution, because that gives chance for a lot of heat soak within the car and systems to start doing silly things. And then it's very difficult to try and do the running repairs, particularly when the car's nowhere near pit road. They can see it down at Cadillac Racing, but it's in the hands of the marshals now. Uh, for us, this can be a quick turnaround as long as the car's recovered re relatively swiftly. And uh, as BMW are tearing their hair out with the number 24 escapades, look to the top of the timing screen, and the sister 25 M hybrid V8 now leads the motor race by a smidge because all the gaps have been closed up again but Laurence Vantor will be a threat from the restart but the BMW would sooner have uh, having said that oh the 24 car is going to rejoin as well I feared that the 25 might have appeared on pit road for emergency service but that is the 24 running again and able to rejoin the race still I was just about to say still with Dries Vantor at the wheel we'll wait for that to trigger pit out it's, it is still Dries Vantor who has stayed on board the number 24 car. At least we have two BMW GTPs still in the race, Bruce. What you always hope is the driver of a car that stops, particularly these hybrids, hasn't just knocked something in the cockpit because that was a very quick fix once they got the car on the flatbed and the 24 car brought in. But uh, how many laps down? He, when I last looked, he was about eight laps down. He's now um, a further... He's dropped down the order enormous amount in that BMW. He's, in fact, uh, 13 laps in arrears. So just remember that. But he's got it going. point I want to pick up on was a point you made very well just then, Johnny. When 
when it goes green after a full course yellow, it's amazing how drivers suddenly feel sometimes they're driving an entirely different car. If it's a long full course yellow and you talk about all that heat soak, the build up in the car when it's not running at full speed and getting the airflow through it, and it might be at a point where, where the car just simply feels as though something has changed. Have I got a puncture? No, your tyre pressures have gone down a little bit. It can be any host of other things, but uh, amazing over the years how drivers go. I really you know, felt I was on top of it. The car was feeling good. We had the full course yellow, and then it was extraordinary. And that's when the driver's brain has to really go into overload. So we've just had a, a change down in the pit lane. A great stint there from Shea Adam. And Joe Bradley is taking over, uh, bringing the pit lane news to you from CrowdStrike as one of our pit lane reporters. Um, Good I, morning, gentlemen. Hello, How Joe. are we? Go ahead. Uh, very well, very well. And, and you, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at three minutes past three in well, the morning? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is kind of my one of my favourite hours of the race. The the paddock area quietens off. There's only a few people milling around. It's it's a completely different ambience to a 24-hour race at this time of the day. And at this time of the race, we uh, you know we've just crossed the half-distance mark not a short while ago, and it's just got that air of idiocy about it hasn't it it's like why why are we doing this why are we continue to go around and round? but this is the time of the race when really you can have the race come to you or you can in equal in equal terms have the race go away from you but now's the time the cars are behaving the best they'll ever behave the air's cool if the air's thick you're going to get maximum out of your motors your tires are cool you're not going to take too much energy out of them and this is where we see the pace really beginning to and the chess pieces really coming into play with the teams just continuing that high-speed game of chess all the way to sunrise. However, in the last uh, 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, two of the chess pieces have been knocked onto their sides, of True. course. So things are running very smoothly at the halfway point in this the 60-second running, Joe. But suddenly we've got the 0-1 Cadillac uh, on a flatbed. The number 24 BMW had been returned to the pits and has now rejoined the circuit. But for Dries Van Tour, an awful lot of time has been... Uh, been scuppered there. It'd be really interesting to find out what the problem was for Vantor's number 24 BMW because they've clearly got it fixed. And let's hope it's a, a permanent fix, not one of those ones where the car gets going and then suddenly has the same issue. I'm not entirely sure the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will be adopting Joe's strapline of hashtag why are we doing this? <laughs> uh, mainly because at, at uh, 1.40 yesterday afternoon, everybody agreed to it. And uh, you can't back out now. Uh, but there are those that are very, very glad that they were happy to accept this challenge and others that perhaps are wishing they'd done something else with their Saturday afternoon and now into Sunday morning with three hours into that. I think Shay is busy uh, preparing a CrowdStrike pit report with uh, trying to do a little bit of research uh, elsewhere down pit road. Obviously, we've got the, we've got the BMW story to follow up. So she's going to uh, pass that message back to Joe as uh, she scoots off for a break, but via the BMW garage. And one side of that will be very downbeat indeed, although glad to see the 24 car return to the racetrack. The other side will be, well, trying to be slightly reserved, but really very jubilant indeed to see the Rene Rascar now leading this segment of the race. I've also recently been introduced on the Night Owls with Sacred uh, segment of our broadcast to a screen to add to our collection already. So this is now screen 18 that I've opened up. Uh, if you haven't visited this already, it's very interesting. imsa.com forward slash GTP dash telemetry. So imsa.com forward slash GTP dash telemetry. And you can get all the latest information on things like 
energy regen for each of the 10 cars within the top category and also crucially energy remaining for this particular stint for instance the race leading bmw of rene rast has 75 percent of its designated energy remaining it's doing 62 miles per hour and rene is in third gear using a little bit of throttle but no brake and I, I mean i can tell when the cars are braking when they are applying the throttle and when they are regening energy as well and it's for fleeting moments just for seconds really as the cars are using a bit of mechanical braking but then also winding up uh, their regen as they slow down for certain corners so alessio picariello and richard westbrook are the most concerned about remaining energy because they're down into the 40 percent right now in fact westy with bang on 40 percent of energy still to burn during this particular stint and again something else for the teams to be on top of as we continue with this hybrid era of sports car racing talk about spinning plates bruce oh talk about spying the cab and none of the drivers have got anywhere to hide you know over the years you've heard drivers who haven't quite told the teams the truth about why something has happened but now it's all here i'm gonna have to go away from that screen i'm finding it totally beguiling I, it'll take all my attention away but again it's great for people watching all around the world that you've got these extra screens it really puts you in the cockpit with the drivers it's fantastic what I can tell you, without looking at that screen, with all the telemetry, as the coloured bars move left and right, is Rennie Rast is leading this race. Of course, we're under green flag racing all over again. And uh, he's going to try and stretch away. But Lawrence Van Tour tucked in behind, just seven-tenths of a second in the rear in the clue of cars. And Tom Blomfist in the mix as well. Green, green, green. And trying the high side line is Lawrence Van Tour. Let's hope it's not a sitting duck from Tom Blomfist as they hit the international horseshoe. But scampering away is Rene Rast in the BMW. And now Blomfist for company because level with his rear wheels are the front wheels of Colton Herter's Acura, no that's not the Acura that's a car trying to unlap itself from elsewhere, no it is the Acura, beg your pardon the 40 car, thank you Ray for zooming in briefly there to confirm my earlier thoughts, so Colton Herter was overlapping with Tom Blomqvist briefly, he then had to get out of the throttle and that I think allowed Alessio Picariello around his outside and into fourth position, this traditional uh, unwinding a touch of the order during caution it could be a quick caution because we were so close to the previous one and we're back racing again for the 62nd edition of the Daytona 24 hours live on RS2 from the Daytona International Speedway yeah great description there of the restart Johnny and it really showed that moment when a driver in a pack of cars has to slightly adjust their line bam Alessio Picariello just jumped and suddenly straight past the number 40 Acura there and just it was a tiny lift off the throttle to adjust the line and the Belgian racer straight through Belgian racer now up into fourth place Alessio Picariello in the number five proton competition Porter but what a fantastic restart from Rene Rast uh, made the break he may be hauled in but he did exactly what the driver who's leading that pack had to do and while those behind had a really very strong tussle he just He's broken the toe to them. Yeah. He's, now, he's now stretching clear, high on the banking, sweeping down. Yep, he's got that one very nailed. What a brilliant restart. Of course, the driver is in the pole the pole seat, the pound seat at the front of the queue, but you've still got to get it right, not outbreak yourself, not go too deep into a corner. But he's made that little break, so really good job from the German. And the thing is, if you can do that at a restart, you then don't really have to look in the mirrors as you're turning through turn one, and naturally your exit out of that corner is going to be slightly more refined because you can focus entirely on the road in front. How busy would you like it in the GTD element of the race? Alexis number 14 to the high side 
of a couple of Porsches and they are in a very tight gaggle indeed heading now out of turn one and towards the International Horseshoe. That's a certain Mike Conway in the Vassar Sullivan Lexus number oh, 14. He's, he's got a history. The number 24 BMW, the car that was stricken out on the circuit, is in the penalty box at the moment. So I can't, don't know what that's being blamed for, but that was the car that Dries Van Tour had come to a halt just before turn six. Partial recovery. Then, of course, the towing strap uh, seemed to come away from the car. Then flatbedded back into the paddock. The car was uh, sorted out back on the track, now serving a penalty. Well, that's not energy remaining related, is it? Because, of course, the car was stuck out on track. I mean, if it ran out of energy, we've seen in the World Endurance Championship that cars just go, as I think Lawrence Vantor described, just the dashboard goes black and it doesn't respond at all at Spa last year. Yes. The Porsche Penske Motorsport car conked out just outside of the, just leaving the chicane at the end of the Spa Francochamp lap. And we never saw it again in that meeting because they'd misjudged the energy levels. Was that the problem for the BMW? I wonder. Might be able to, might to have to interrogate that at a later date to be sure. But um, yeah, maybe that penalty is related. The number 24 car um, should be on this list, the BMW. And well, I can tell you it's got 90% now, but of course it's been regened. Uh, during the pit stop, so and uh, haven't got the archived energy remaining information because uh, that re would require an awful lot more uh, screens to distract me. But the teams, of course, will be building up that data and have that to look back on. And of course, it's always accessible by the IMSA um, race directors to keep looking at to make sure that uh, regulations aren't being breached there so the teams yes have something else to concentrate on but of course those policing this race need to be all across it too yeah some of them will look back across the years when they could just get away with a notebook but now they've got so many screens they've got to interrogate at all times to keep on top of everything but the good news is increasingly over the years we get more of those screens to look at ourselves uh, have got confirmation actually it's got nothing to do with energy uh, remaining the 24 stop was in fact for working on the car in a closed pit lane so uh, beyond the emergency service five seconds of fuel or one single tire change so they've had to stop that car for 60 seconds in the penalty box at the end of pit road for working in the pit lane as we can head to joe bradley for a crowd strike pit report yeah i'm actually at the back of the pits in the paddock garage with the uh Cadillac Racing 01 and Renga van, van der Zander uh, basically described the problem with the car as exactly as we saw it. It just basically stopped and uh, for no apparent reason. And the, the reason is now being sought with the, uh, the car being completely stripped down of its bodywork and the team um, analysing data and the usual stuff. They're also, of course, taking advantage of this situation whilst... The problem that stopped the car is being rectified and being sought after. Uh, they are servicing the car. So, you know, the, the rules are that you don't necessarily have to just do the problem that the car has been brought in with. And whilst you're doing that, you can service the car. So hopefully they can get to the bottom of it. Hopefully it's nothing too dramatic and they can get this car back in, into the streets. Because it's never over until it's really over, isn't it? Here at Daytona, it's always all the way to the flag. And that's why we keep coming back. That's why we love this thing and um, yeah, get totally sucked into the story of the race. 
and the fact that you know you can you can be in it for so many hours feeling like you're the dominant force but any lead that you might build up during spells of green can be taken away in the blink of an eye or the blink of a yellow light and we've had a couple of cautions already purely just in the night owls with sacred coffee stint it's bruce jones and johnny palmer at 3:15 in the morning we're here till 6 a.m then we'll take a pause for another breakfast and then be back on from 8 until 11 and then we'll uh, have john hindolf back in the global broadcast center taking things to the flag and that'll only be two hours and 40 minutes away from the end of this year's race by that point Johnny, things do happen when we come in the commentary box. Yesterday, <laughs> you know, people were accusing, but when, when I came, it was start, came into the Global Broadcast Centre and was looking, analysing what was happening before we came on air, all was cool, calm and collected. In the blink of a handful of eyes, we've lost the number zero one with a problem and the 24 BMW has joined the Cadillac in sort of trying to sort its problems. At least that's back on the track. I do feel very sorry for the... Uh, BMW M Team RLL crew there for the 24 car being worked on during a closed pit lane. I think if it hadn't been for the 01 Cadillac stopping, they wouldn't maybe have uh, you know got caught out like that. But the good news is that car is back on track and hopefully Dries Van Tor is fully conversant with why it came to a halt. You know, not, sometimes the teams send you back out without really giving you full guidance. Other just get on with it. But the drivers like to know what might be going wrong next. But anyhow still going that's the good news so i was quite right you were quite right to tell me to stay my hand on not putting the line through the 24 on my chart of who's still in the race or more to the point who has fallen out so yeah. we've still got those two bmw gtp cars in in the field but one the number 24 car clearly somewhat delayed right now but the sister car 25 leading the way by 1.8 seconds really good restart for Rennie ras tom block is giving chase as I said, he's in the 31 Cadillac. And third is now Alessio Picariello, who's just moved past Lawrence Van Tour. So the Belgian who had that really good restart has gone past his teammate. Up into third position overall. In fact, Lawrence Van Tour has now been passed by Matt Campbell as well. Yeah, so the six and the seven running round together. Van Tour fourth and Matt Campbell in sixth place. And... On the same lap, yeah, 432 just ticked off, just like the race leader, Rene Rast. Not too far away from them, Colton Herter as well. And the 40, Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Acura. As they now head out of the second horseshoe and into this tricky left-hander, which is so important as you build speed up on the speedway turn one and head around to the Le Mans chicane. It got very, very tight a moment or two ago, though, down into turn one, Bruce. Yeah, it did. It's almost it was a one-lap sprint, uh, looking <laughs> at the timing charts. So you don't, in a 24-hour race, tend to get lots more than one or two place changes in the lap. But among the front-running groups, had three place changes in the blink of an eye. The number five Porsche, of course, run by Proton Competition. But the, the six and sevens... Uh, works cars getting monstered and certainly a really good attacking drive there from Colton Herter in the number 40 Acura so that team the Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti you know it seemed to sort of lose its mojo a bit but it's certainly getting it back and uh, Lawrence Vantor was the driver who got pushed back he's now moved back ahead again so chopping and changing so the drivers will be loving it and the fans that are looking at that particular part of the circuit will also be thinking this is rather good wherever you are in the world the time time zone will be different but uh, the racing is making the light night very very entertaining indeed and there was a touch there from Colton Herter on the Porsche because both cars just briefly vibrating so uh, Colton Herter making his presence felt uh, literally and 
he, I mean, it was his corner all day long. There was a gap there, went for the gap, and the car was fully alongside, but just a sort of door handle to door handle little kiss. And then on would, would go Colton Herter in fourth place. Side-by-side -side action in the GT class. That is the 34 car around the outside of the 23. So let's put some meat on the bones. Car 34 is the Albert Costa Balboa uh, Conquest Racing Ferrari. And that was laps gain being gained back again on the 23 car, which is currently being driven by Mario Farnbacher in the GT Daytona Pro Class, Heart of Racing Aston Martin. Yeah, great racing, but I like the respect from the drivers. I know that the two GTP cars had a little touch, but again, it was uh, remarkably clean. But uh, the 296 Ferrari is looking great on the banking. You know, you gain a place, and at this stage in the race, we just had full course yellows. It's side-by-side -side action. How, what what colour would you like your 296 GT3 to be? doesn't matter as long as it's fast, and they're clearly going very well at this point in the race. Let's hope we can get a good long run of green flag racing, because uh, this is looking fantastic on the banking down around the infield. Best of all those, if you're a fan of the number 25 car, because Rennie Rass was 1.8 seconds clear, now 2.2 seconds clear. Tom Blomqvist giving chase, and importantly uh, for Blomqvist, he's got about nearly the best part of two seconds clear over Alessio Picariello, so he's not having to look in his mirrors. He can focus on his attack going off after Rene Rass. But Alessio Picariello, uh, great to see him getting a chance in a, in a top prototype. Been a big fan of his for years, having watched him race in the Far East for a long time in Porsches and always seemed to weave magic uh, for whichever his teammate uh, was that weekend. So he's in third, dropping Colton Hurt a little by little, but let's see if it stays that way. But right now, just getting a few gaps between the front-running cars in GTP. Yeah, and uh, that might be a little by design as well, because these cars don't like constant running in the heat and the draft of a uh, fellow runner. You want to stay in touch, but you want to look after the car at the same time. Uh, enjoying Mike Rockenfeller come back through the order. He is four laps back at least from the GTD Pro leaders. He's actually five laps back and a bit possibly for Mike Rockenfeller, but he was scything his way through the order in the Ford Multimatic Motorsports Mustang up alongside one of the Aston Martins. I think it was Mario Farnbacker's Heart of Racing team. Aston Martin and speaking of which now the 70 car right on the boot lid of the 23 Aston Martin so Ollie Milroy in the fourth placed Inception McLaren around the outside of the Vantage but there's not going to be a way by there I don't think because the heart of racing team car keen not to lose a place and also um, there wasn't really a way through because there was a wall of GT cars down at turn one I love the little little plate inside the uh, the front of the McLaren. It has the regu regulation name, number, pack drill, etc. But underneath, a little message saying, hello, McLaren fans. Nice little <laughs> touch. Works very well with the onboard camera. I'm sure that's been picked up before. But again, little touches can make all the difference. Now, one thing, I said I'd stay away, but I couldn't. The screen looking at uh, energy remaining. Richard Westbrook was the one with the least in the tank. He's down to 10% now, so it's gone from a green bar to a red one. Yes, danger, danger. And Alessio Picariello in second place is down to 20%. So he's used a handful of his shoes, possibly to make those overtaking manoeuvres, and he's going to have to manage that here, here and after. Interesting to uh, watch the, the two GT cars. The one you can hear in the background, the McLaren, and Mario Farnbacher's Aston Martin... They are in different classes, but remember the performance of a GTD Pro and a GTD car 
pretty much identical with the exception of the balance of performance of course between an Aston Martin and a McLaren but it's the driver makeup that means that you're either in GTD or you're in GTD Pro the Pro lineups unrestricted whereas in the GTD driver combos you do need some am element or non-pro element but Ollie Milroy certainly matching Mario Farnbacker stride for stride Farnbacker is seventh in pro Milroy fifth in GTD standard and then shooting by all of the GT traffic right now is the 31 Tom Blomqvist driven Cadillac this again is why the GT cars are told to stay well over to the left on the approach to turn one and allow the quicker car by which Blomqvist suitably does well he's got far the better of that run through the traffic the, the gap to the race leader Rene Rast has been halved down to 1.1 seconds now but I was just thinking right Rast has got clear is it going to delay Blomqvist but actually it just fell very nicely for him so he could get by almost the entirety that in fact it was the entirety of that gaggle of cars before he had to turn in to turn one so Rene Rast made the escape now he's been hauled back in but maybe there'll be another gaggle of traffic but I think that was the first big group of cars they were coming across in the GTD class and it certainly fell into the lap of Rennie Rast, uh, not of Rennie Rast, of Tom Blomqvist giving chase. Colton Herter has managed to get his way past Alessio Picariello maybe Picariello has been told, uh, you know that little chart with the, um, the moving bar about how much energy you've got, you use quite a lot so he's maybe backed off, or maybe he's slightly interrupted so Colton Herter has got the Acura number 40 up to third place overall so maybe just maybe there's a little bit of a smile coming on the face of Wayne Taylor but you know, hold on, Wayne He's been here for decades. He won't be on his face until we're in the final hour, one feels. He's been here before where moments have just had rather big ramifications and uh, things that were looking perfect no longer are. But also, he can tell how a race is likely to go well before we've started it. And, you know, there may be murmurings that, well, oh, this could be a good year for us. I think it's very much the flip side in 2024. Unless he was, you know, deliberately going very much the other way and just taking us off the scent but well there's, I there didn't is, sense no, that I was the case either. at the time and uh, you know he's, he's a good poker player uh, potentially Wayne Taylor about uh, not let necessarily letting his true thoughts slip but he knows the reason why the actor is not quite there this weekend but we have got Colton Herter in third position and he's only 1.7 seconds away from the whaling car of Tom Blomqvist so, you know, you wind the clock forward another nine and a bit hours when we're into the final 60 minutes. And if they're still there, then you can bet that Colton, if he's still at the wheel or any of the other his, of his teammates, they are not going to let this slip through their fingers. They just have to stay in that lead fight. And that's the beauty of this race. Yeah, so all these GTD cars having to be dispensed with but I sense they've almost worked their way through all of them now there seems to be about five cars up ahead of the race leader of Rennie Rast and maybe the traffic just helped for Colden Herter do not know but what we have is the top four cars, cars covered by 2.2 uh, seconds it's really very very little Rennie Rast desperately uh, now he's been passed in fact Tom Blomfist has now just gone past so he's in the lead of the race by 0.133 of a second he caught and he passed the BMW but again traffic will certainly have been a factor in that so it was Blomqvist working out where Rast's BMW was just struggling a touch coming out of the Le Mans chicane. It wasn't the ideal exit for the M hybrid V8. And uh, Tom Blomqvist wasn't going to be asked twice there. T picking up a touch of side draft and also the natural toe from right underneath the rear wing of the BMW. 
now running neck and neck Tom Blomqvist with the JDCMZ Miller Motorsports 963 I believe to stick a lap on the 85 of Richard Westbrook Westy's just done a pit stop to top up his energy well I just I just find it quite extraordinary the, the straight line speed of the, of the Cadillac and obviously the way the car is set up to get that power down onto the circuit really is there their key to success here at Daytona far from the end of the race but the nose in front but it is only by one tenth of a second precisely top four covered by 2.2 seconds because now we've got a new car in fourth place the number seven Porsche Matt Campbell's moved ahead of the Proton version of Alessio Picariello so Alessio's three seconds down but he's down in fifth place but great move from Tom Blockfist but actually looked very easy indeed they'd got past the traffic it was I thought if the move came, it was going to be because of traffic. In fact, they just negotiated some. Maybe, just maybe, Rani Rast was slightly blocked by the last of the cars they passed into the chicane, the Le Mans chicane. But certainly, once they got out onto the banking, the story was unfolding in front of us. So if you're Whalen Engineering, and at a restart, Rene Rast starts to disappear up the road by a second, they'll be thinking, it's all right, because when we get to the middle portion of the stint, we know our car... It's going to sustain its pace, whereas maybe the BMW just starts to fade very slightly. It might have just been a slight error, as you say, or just the traffic on the run into the Le Mans chicane. But that'll be interesting to observe in the remaining stints of this race, of which there are still due to be many, as to whether the BMW does that typically. You know, if we get a BMW out front at the restart again, will that stretch its legs for a brief spell, 10 laps or so, and then start to fall back into the clutches of those behind. Really cracking battle, Johnny, at uh, the front of LMP2 and uh, Spike, the Orica from AO Racing, beautiful livery on that uh, mauve and orange car, has now moved into the front of the class. Ryan Yell giving chase, just a whisker down, a third of a second down for Era Motorsport, having a really good run. And, oh, huge distance back. Uh, an entire second is Scott McLaughlin in third in the number eight from Tower Motorsports. It's been a little while since we grabbed a CrowdStrike pit report from Joe Bradley, so let's put that right now. Uh, Justin Newgarden, I found, sat in his pit, just listening into his radio, about to take over the number seven Porsche. Joseph, is this aspect of endurance racing something that you find challenging, coming from the world of single-seaters as you do? Oh, it's very challenging. You know, I think it's a world-class race, there's no doubt. You know, any, any racer, I think, wants to be here competing in this event. It's, it's, it's fantastic to be here. Uh, but it is a challenge in different ways to what I'm used to, you know, trying to make it through the night and interact with the entire team, you know, interact with all the other drivers. Um, you know, you got to stay up. you gotta, you got to be fluid. you got to work throughout all the temperature changes, uh, the, the car changes, you know, from day to night pretty significantly. So it's just staying on top of it and trying to be good through all segments of the race. And, and for sure, all of it combined is a, is a big challenge. 3.30 in the morning, your body clock's telling you you should really should be in bed and, you know, here you are doing this. I mean, how, how do you get the body to react and do the job? Uh, there's no secret. It's just, it's tough. I, I just had a double espresso shot, so I'm trying to amp myself back up, get ready to go. I, you know, everyone fights the same deal. I think some cope with it a little bit better than others, but there's really no secret ingredient. I, I can't sleep. I don't sleep very well, so I'm just kind of staying up. I think a lot of people are, but, um, yeah, you just deal with it. Joseph Newgarten chatting to Joe Bradley. I wasn't sure what happened at the end there. Did you get hauled away? Or maybe you fell over. <laughs> anyway, it, it constituted a CrowdStrike pit report, nevertheless. He ran out of coffee. But maybe he did. The body yeah. just stopped. Uh, yeah, Joe's uh, not quite got a history of falling over this year, but uh, there's been some interesting shifts leading up into the race, so I understand. 
and uh, he put his, his arm up in fairness for uh, one of the crucial overnight stints to join us here on Night Owls with Sacred. We're on NBC, we're on Peacock, we're on RS2, IMSA Radio around the world, and, of course, live at the track, 107.9 FM. And at 3.30 in the morning, let's give you a quick flavour of uh, how things sit in terms of uh, an order in each of the four classes. So it's the number 31 car of Tom Blomqvist that now leads after a terrific overtake around the outside of the final bit of uh, a couple of laps ago. It was maybe two and a bit laps when... Tom got a really good exit out of the Le Mans chicane in his Cadillac V-Series R car number 31 to swoop around the outside of the then-leader 25, René Rast, in his BMW M Team RLL hybrid V8. So René just a second back now in second position, and it's Matt Campbell in the number 7 Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 in third. LMP2 is led by the AO Racing Orica of Spike the Dragon, number 99, in front of Aero Motorsports, Orica, number 18, Ryan DL, and it's Scott McLaughlin, who we thought was spinning at the restart, but uh, apologies, Scott, you were on the straight and narrow in the Tower Motorsports, Orica, and has actually worked his way back up to third position now after a consistent run, currently working lap 4.30 in LMP2. GTD Pro, Daniel Junkadea in the number three, Corvette Racing by Pratt & Miller, Chevrolet Corvette. The car three leads Alessio, uh, sorry, Alessandro Pierguidi's Risi Competizioni Ferrari number 62 and the AO Racing Rexy Porsche of Michael Christensen number 77. Indy Doncha number 57 leads GTD, Windward Racing's Mercedes ahead of another AMG GT3 from Kortoff Preston Motorsports for Kenton Cook number 32. And it's Giorgio Cernigiotto in the Chetelar Racing Ferrari 296 that is running in third position, number 47. The latest on Renga van der Zander's Cadillac, that has yet to rejoin the 0-1 that caused the short full-course yellow not so long back, but at least the 24 BMW is back in the hunt, but obviously it lost an awful lot of laps because of that uh, stall on the infield. The car seemed to have no power, and, and then it was stranded on the infield as the crews were trying to tow it back to the paddock. That's your VP in race. Updates at 3.33 in the morning. Cracking battle in LMP2 between Paul Lachatin and uh, giving chase Ryan Yell and the Scottish driver got to within a tenth of a second. He's now at three tenths back, but uh, really putting on a great show. Just a one, and a one and a half seconds further back, uh, we've got Scott McLaughlin, the driver who did not spin, which we were just reiterating. Fans in the grandstands. Well, their, their approach to... Uh, the middle of the night is not coffee, but it comes in a, in a can and it entices them to take their shirts off and wave them in the air. So people all approach the race differently. Other people all around the world are sitting at home with two, three, four monitors, a sausage loaf, a cup of tea, and shed loads of information. That's what we hope we can offer them. But the great thing is wherever you are, you can find data on this race. And I must say that that screen, I have not been back to it more than once about who's got how much energy left it's uh, certainly something that uh, I'm going back to it for a third time okay. they've, all, they've all got loads apart yeah, from Randy Rass who's down to 15% race leader Tom Blockfist has only 5% more so again they have to assess that situation the driver with the most is Kevin Estra in fifth place what about a fight in LMP2 now arriving on pit road so they've been not quite taking chunks out of each other metaphorical chunks out on the racetrack well now it's down to the pit crews to turn their cars around as swiftly as possible. Paul Luke Chatin in, Ryan DL in from first 
and second places. That will leave Scott McLaughlin to lead the motor race in LMP2 for Tower Motorsports ahead of Nico Pino. And then it's Colin Brown briefly up to third position as the work continues on the bright purple with uh, the yellow wings of Spike the Dragon uh, continuing this um, this uh, rather the scene set for the GT cars within AO Racing uh, but they had to think about some other sort of being or beast shall we say for the LMP2 cars dinosaurs uh, very much present in the GT Daytona class with Rexy and uh, we introduce a dragon into LMP2 as we can go for a CrowdStrike pit report and Joe Bradley yeah, i just done a quick uh, visit to the All One Cadillac pit and just checking on what's happening with the car. Um, the, the car's still being worked on. It, it's, it's never a good sign when the car is put under the high stands so that it's standing about, you know, four foot from the floor and people crawling about underneath it. There's not much, and another really bad sign, is not much activity going on on the car. It's not like they're taking anything off or stripping anything down. It's just basic on the hijacks and a lot of chat and conversation going on. I'm not sure this all one is uh, is going to be back on track very, very soon, if at all. Well, that, that's a massive shame for Renger van der Zander and the crew. It's fallen 20 laps in arrears, so it's certainly not going to feature at the sharp end, even if it goes. But it went from running perfectly mm. to not running at all. And uh, really, really strange for Zero One. Hopefully they can work it out. But the pace at the front, in fact, we just had a change for second place. Matt Campbell has moved to seven. Uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 up ahead of René Rasp, but René Rasp has a little less of the go-juice on board, so he's having to back it off a little bit. But still, the top four cars, going back to Brian Herter, in, as Brian Herter, I think not, Colton Herter in fourth place, only covered by four seconds. But hold on, get this, this is sports car racing at its best. Cadillac from Porsche, from BMW, from Acura. We want variety, and by golly, we're getting it right now. Scotty McLaughlin now pits for Tower Motorsports together with Nico Pino from the LMP2 class. So we had what was the first and second place cars in on one lap. The very next time around, cars from net third and fourth in. They were leading in second place at the time, but they'll now slip behind the AO Racing and Era Motorsports cars. Uh, yes, because they're still in pit road. Colin Brown will have a spell then leading LMP2, as he has done in previous cycles, so that's the CrowdStrike Racing by APR Orica leading briefly in the 0-4. Tom Blomqvist building a lead to 2.2 seconds after 444 laps. And it's Matt Campbell, as Bruce just mentioned, in the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsports 963 running in second position. Rene Rast in third. So we have Cadillac, Porsche, BMW and Acura all represented in that top four positions and uh, another 24-hour race that's also taking place this weekend but in a different part of the world in the Middle East in Dubai at the Autodrome there uh, there was an early phase of that race where we had four and at times five different manufacturers in the top five and that's uh, a GT3 race um, mainly as in GT3 is the top class at Dubai but so obviously we ramp things up to a greater level here with GTP, but nevertheless, no shortage in this variety of manufacturers. Yeah, well, great news. Happy days at the moment for sports car racing, whether you're a prototype fan or a GT racing fan. Enjoy it while it's here. I think we're set for a very rich number of years coming up ahead. But the front of this field, 
absolutely fantastic how close it is. Rene Rast is now coming under, excuse me, increasing pressure from Colton Herter. So maybe we will have the BMW going down to fourth, the Acura up to third. But it's exactly what we want. The, the track is in great condition, plenty more light night time to come, and proper racing out on the banking. 31 leads the way, that's Tom Blomqvist, and uh, doing a very, very tidy job indeed. And he's just put a lap on Alessio Picariello, just moved past the number five, the, the Proton competition uh, Porsche 963 that looks so immaculate to my eyes. Uh, it's black and gold livery, but at the moment, Alessio Picariello, though he's only sixth in class, bear in mind at the restart, he was fighting to get into about third in that queue of cars, and he's lost a fair de degree of time since then. I think a pit stop may well have been included to drop him back, but Tom Blockfist putting another car between him and the chasing Matt Campbell. Six tenths of a second, no, seven tenths of a second back to the number seven Porsche, but uh, certainly Tom Blockfist works this traffic really, really well. Very, very impressive. I am hearing on certain channels now that the Zero One is a uh, established an official retirement now, sadly, for Renger van der Zander. We heard from Joe Bradley a moment or two ago that it was very unlikely that car would be able to rejoin and uh, zero one has retired is what i'm hearing uh, just one of those bizarre moments with no no warning whatsoever uh, there hadn't been any contact as far as i know renger van der zander likes to wring the neck of a cadillac but they're built to take that abuse uh, and for 24 hours so that wasn't the problem uh, but uh, presumably something in the innards of that car probably electrical has uh, either been found or perhaps crucially not found and it's going to take too long to chase and to rectify. So a real shame and uh, a big story that one half of the Cadillac uh, garage will no longer be competing. It's all on a 31 then, eh? And uh, fortunately for that car, it leads the race. Yeah, I mean, it is really astonishing. Why the clock back several decades and almost every car at this point in the day turned 24 hours, all the Le Mans 24 hours, wherever you had sports cars racing from day to night to day again, would be nursing a mechanical problem. But that 0-1 Cadillac... As you say, these days, it's effectively a sprint race. You don't have to nurse your cars. You race the cars. Racing fine, not going at all. Out of the race. Quite extraordinary. But, uh, again, these cars, they're not bulletproof, but they're a whole lot better than they used to be in terms of mechanical reliability. But when it becomes an electrical problem, the things you cannot see, you cannot hit mm. with a hammer, then it really is incredibly frustrating. And it may take quite a lot of... Uh, electronic investigation to try and work out what it is maybe by now if, if the official word is coming through or the word is almost official as the the bmw number 25 comes into pit in the lights uh, dipping out on one side of the the nose there Rennie rass bringing that in and obviously he had got to the end of his uh, his power needed a little bit of a reset so he's brought that in but quite a few of his rivals down now to about 25 uh, percent as well race leader in fact tom block is down to five percent so he'll be probably in next time around the 25 bmw though it's driver change time yeah let's get to joe for a crowd strike pit report on the latest stop for 25. yeah and um, as the 25 comes down off the jacks it's going to be the fueling that takes the longest we've talked about this all day long haven't we uh tires are done cars off the jacks and now we just wait for the fueler that seems to take forever the fueler is watching the fuel flow through the pipe when it starts coming back on itself that tells him that the tank is full well the 25 tank is full and that car resumes to my left we've got the 23 part of racing aston martin this is a car pardon me in the gtd pro class that's find himself finds himself surrounded by gtd 
cars from another class and they're just off the tail really of the GTD Pro class proper and really they're going to need to make some massive ground to get in contention for class honours in that. A uh, little bit of a delay going on here, looks like the fueling and the tyres is done but a uh, little bit of a tension in the car and I'm not sure whether we saw a driver change on that 23 Harnham racing Aston Martin. Did you guys say that there was a driver change on the BMW? There was, there was a driver change on the 25. Conor Di Filippo, yes, has taken over that car. So Rene right, Rast we'll dive in getting in, guys. out. See if we can get it. Yeah, we'll see if we can get an insight. So we'll get back to Joe with that CrowdStrike pit interview in a tick. Meanwhile, enjoying the Cadillac on the infield, almost up to 450 laps completed for that car and those that pursue it, which is uh, Matt Campbell's Porsche 963 from Penske. Wayne Taylor racing with the Acura Colton Herter driven number 40 car. And Conor Filippi rejoining the race in fourth spot, although we'll, we'll allow timing to just correct itself as that car rejoins. It takes a couple of sectors for that to do. LMP2 has now uh, been reset after that latest round of pit stops. So I think everybody came in under green because they were all due for fuel within a couple of laps of one another. Paul Luke Chatat for AO Racing back to the front in the number 99 then. And I noticed on our graphics, Scotty McLaughlin, yeah, that is correct, in second position now for Tower Motorsport. So he's actually gained a spot on Ryan DL. He did. He came in the lap later, but clearly things have gone better for him since the pit stop. Maybe slightly quick, less time at a standstill. So third has become second for Tower Motorsport with its uh, black, grey, white and orange race delivery. And Ryan DL just a little bit further back, another... Uh, second and a half in arrears in third place. Cars still coming into the pits, but most notably our race leader, Tom Blockfist, brings the 31 Cadillac to a halt right now. So this is obviously a pit stop we need to keep a keen eye on. Also in on this lap, Colton Herter from third position. Matt Campbell stays out, though, as the wheel gun really struggled to get that front right wheel loosened. There were sparks as it finally gripped. Uh, nothing for the mechanics to be too worried about, but it's these split seconds here and there that are lost that can lose you track position. And then it's amazing how that is magnified uh, a couple of times over later on in the stint. So you want to try and not miss a beat in these stops. Fabulous to have these two big teams so close to one another in pit road. It is the Cadillac that leaves earlier than the Acura but that's fine because that's the order that they came in yeah and Matt Campbell leading the race you pointed out the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 that ought to be in next time around because he's got very little of the go juice left energy remaining five percent of course all those coming into the pits have had theirs topped up back to 100 so Tom Blomqvist Colton Herter going back out Connor De Filippi he's down to 95 because he went out a lap ahead of them but an interesting little sideline so it's imsa.com GTP, I'm trying to remember what the, the, um, the catch was, the, the strap just, line. Uh, GTP hyphen telemetry. There you go. IMSA.com forward slash GTP, as in the category, dash telemetry. Exactly. And uh, the full list of the GTP cars are there. Position, so current position in the far left column. Then under the car banner who's at the wheel of each car and the number and the entrance too 
and then you can find out how much energy is remaining. And Matt Campbell, thankfully, has pitted on this lap where he had 0%, probably 0.5% as he came in, and now as the fuel goes in, the energy is starting to be topped up. 30%, 35%, 40%, and it will go all the way up to 100% before the car is released. They're doing tyres, medium compound Michelin's all around. You can tell that by the little yellow sticker element. It's not actually a sticker, it's a part of the sidewall. But the yellow with the M on it. Thank you, Rooftop Ray, for homing in on that. Tells us it's medium compound for another nighttime stint, beginning at 3.47 in the morning. And then the long run towards pit exit. Driver raring to get going, but having to wait until they leave, go past the second part of the pit lane and turn left and left again to rejoin the track. But uh, expect Tom Blomqvist, I would suggest, to be in the lead of the class once he's rejoined. He should have already rejoined in 31 Cadillac. Uh, down in GTD Pro, it's Alessio Pierghidi who continues to lead the way for the Ritzy Competizione Ferrari team. LMP2, it's Paulus Lachatin. Uh, French driver who uh, enjoys racing, Spike, and he loves racing in the States. But for AO Racing, he's got that car at the sharp end of the field. So for now, Matt Campbell still listed at the top of the time charts, but we know he's brought that number seven Porsche into the pit lane. It hasn't quite exited the pit lane. Uh, so we will find out who goes to the very top. It might even be his own teammate. It's now Joseph Newgarden. We heard from him. Joe Bradley interviewed him down in the pit lane, working as a... Our crowd strike pit lane reporter down there. He seemed very cool, calm, collected, and just hoping the double espresso would carry him through this next stint in terms of staying awake. But it's one thing sitting in the pit lane when you're not driving, sitting behind the pit wall, and quite another once you're strapped into the cockpit. I think then the adrenaline kicks in. So Kevin Estra now leads the race with Joseph Newgarden taking over the sister car for Porsche Penske Motorsport. That's the number seven. It's the sixth Porsche that leads the way. Tom Blomqvist coming out in second place overall. Through the darkness goes the number six car then of Kevin Estra with the huge banners that are to his right on the back straight. Nicely illuminated, not quite the amount of uh, floodlighting on that back straight, although the corners he can pick out very easily indeed. This place no stranger to darkness racing, not only from this race, but also from the NASCAR night race as well. As out of Speedway Turn 4 and into the tri-oval goes the number six car that is now in front of Joseph Newgarten. So Tom Blomqvist and Colton Herter, having made their stops quite recently, we're on lap 449. No, we're not. We're on lap 451. I thought my timing screen had just started to lapse a little bit. It has gone into snooze mode. And perhaps uh, who can blame it at this time of the morning? Trying to do a quick refresh there. But Kevin Estra, the new race leader, by 13 seconds over Tom Blomqvist's Cadillac. It's a Porsche 963 prepared by Penske Motorsports that leads the way. Car number six ahead of 31 and 25, the Conor Felipe BMW. With uh, nine hours and 52 minutes to go. Remember, we started at... 1.40 yesterday afternoon so when we get to 20 minutes to the hour that's where another race hour is ticked off although as we bring you this broadcast of course we'll be mentioning when we get to the top and bottom of the hour as we call it in radio parlance as well give you a VP in race update when we get to 4.30am 
another quick top-up of how things are going in the various classes. Although, uh, hopefully, we'll keep you in tune away from that update as well. Alessandro Pierre Guidi for Risi Competizione and the Ferrari. Uh, a decent lead now. Only consider the amount of laps when we join the broadcast where uh, it was Risi from Corvette by split seconds. That seven, nearly eight-second advantage is quite a decent margin now to be resting on. Back to El Bamba's Corvette number four and Paul Miller Racing's BMW M4 for Brian Sellers running in third. I think your screen's got a little bit of lag oh, because has. that's now I've changed that. because Pierre Guidi has just come into the pit. So Earl yes. Bamba now leading the number four Corvette. Brian Sellers second after such a good year in 2023 for the BMW racer. He's in second place. Up front, you might go, how come Kevin Estra's leading? Well, it, well blink of an eye ago, it was 13 seconds his advantage over Tom Blomqvist. So the number six Porsche out front, the 31 Cadillac in second. But the thing is, he's half a stint away from coming into his pit stop, whereas uh, Blancfist, De Felipe and Herta have all, in the last couple of laps, just made their stop. So Kevin Estra out of sequence, but the French racer pressing on as he always does. is just going to maximise what he can do in this stint, but he will owe us a pit stop uh, in the near future. So once he's dropped back, what's the gap between... Blomqvist and uh, Felipe between the Cadillac and the BMW. Well, it's uh, just under two seconds, 1.75 seconds, I would suggest. And Colton Herter in the number 40 Acura from Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti is back. 16 seconds off the race lead, but effectively only five seconds off Tom Blomqvist, who will assume the lead. A commentator is only ever as good as his or her timing screen. Do you know what I did there? I pulled the cable out and I plugged it back in again. And we've now completed 452 laps. As so, if by magic. Perfect. Kevin Estra leads the motor race, and this is Joe Bradley with a crowd strike. Yeah, with the Pratt Miller Motorsports Corvette number four, Tommy Miller taking over the car. The car looking like it's done seven of eight 24 hour races, let alone just over half a one. The car showing the usual skin marks and battle scars on the front end of this car. As Tommy gets in, he's going to be given a fresh set of Michelin tyres to start his stint with and a bit of windscreen cleaning going on there there's still a few tear-offs on there and, can... and there's the Pratt Miller Motorsports Corvette soundbite for you everybody Thank you very much Joe, love it when you open your mic during, you know, when you're doing an interview down there and you get the, the start-up particularly of the GTD cars, they do sound great. And Pratt and Miller, I don't think that it's in their rule book they're allowed to run a car that doesn't sound absolutely magnificent. And again, you talked about the battle scars, the skid marks, the rubber dents on the, on the nose of the number four uh, Corvette. And, uh, you know, it's great. But again, you look at I love looking at what the mechanics do, sort of in the middle of the night. Someone out there on the pit apron with a little air wand just uh, blowing down to try and clear the radiator halfway up the hood of the car anything counting only one of the tail lights is working on the number three corvette i've just noted as it's going through the infield just noted but it has been like that for about an hour and uh, 50 odd minutes at least i was watching from the other side of the car fair enough well that's easily done because when it's going from right to left from our vantage point there appears to be no issue at all but when you catch it on the infield the rear right corner uh, has yeah been um, been extinguished for quite some time I'm interested that the officials don't appear to be too bothered about that. I mean, it's got one tail light, and maybe if you've got one side working rather than the two, that's still OK. Um, rather than a message saying, you know, sometimes we get in other championships, that needs to be sorted during the next pit stop. Yeah, that's been troubling me for the last 90 seconds. Why there's, there's been mm. no warning since I've so... after, after Long after the event has been 
uh, concluded come to the battle? Well, on the odd occasion, we might get a, a, a view for in our commentary box from the car behind the Corvette at any one point, and sometimes that gives you false information because these are LED lights and the camera frame rate is quicker than the human eye frame rate, if you like, so sometimes a light appears not to be working when in actual fact it is, but uh, we know now, we, I'm now absolutely convinced, because you've seen it too, uh, that that Corvette only has one working light, and maybe the team are sort of keeping that on the back burner as a project to keep working on. I mean, they've got 9 hours and 47 minutes to try and rectify it, should the officials be majorly concerned about it. it it's not as much of a problem as it might be at Le Mans when you hit the Mulsanne straight, and that is complete darkness at 5 to 4 in the morning. Here, at least there are a lot more lights on the stanchions uh, so that you can pick those cars out. Well, let's face it, I mean, the Daytona International Speedway in its own bowl contained Le Mans still classly, classically running down a straight that it used first in for 24 hours in 1923. You're in proper countryside, maybe a bit more boombox sounded from people in the campsites than there, were, there was in 1923, but uh, the nature of the race is still very much the bit by the pits and that beyond. We're using French public roads. The first time I went to Le Mans, I was so excited. I was driving down with a friend. I said, are we going to get to the circuit soon? And he went, we're on it. I went, what? <laughs> yeah. We were going down the Mulsanne Strait. The barriers then were knee-high to a grasshopper, whereas now they're far more comprehensive, but it was a bit of a jolt. <laughs> Actually made awesome. it even more exciting. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I think my first time to Le Mans, which was uh, a few years after yours, fair to say, but uh, it's very difficult to work out, OK, from the camera angles you've been shown prior to a visit, precisely which bit of the public road is actually used. But then when you know you've hit the racing asphalt, it does tend to, to uh, send tingles down your spine. Yeah, also, but to drive around this place, though, in a road car and get you get up onto the high banks and say, they race on this? Seriously? It feels like you're at 45 degrees. Um, it's uh, so violent an angle as the number 12 Lexus has just pitted from the lead of GT Daytona. And let's head to Joe Bradley for this CrowdStrike pit report. You found Wayne Taylor. I have. It wouldn't be a 24-hour race if I didn't take a chance to chat to Wayne Taylor during the night. Wayne... I think we'll file this one under character building, eh? There's no doubt. Um, I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, you know, everybody did so much work to get here for this race, being the two-car team for the first time. The guys have all done a good job, but there's been just these silly little gremlins that, that have seemed to have attacked us. Um, with one consolation is we still got... Um, Body car that might be able, we might be able to get him on the podium, but for the 10 cars, very disappointing. You know, um, lost power, and then they seem to got it all back together. But we were like a, a 100 laps down or something. So the, the, those the, the gremlins you say win, there's nothing that a team has in its toolbox to actually address that sort of thing. It's just pure luck, isn't it? That is the problem with these new cars and these old new electronics. It's really difficult to know what's going on. You know, as soon as you see a car go completely black, you know something's something's haywire. But um, yeah, it's been tough. Um, uh, when we we talked earlier in the week about um, the the lack of pace, I don't want to go into the reasons for that. We you know keep that to yourself. But um, that has given you a different approach, the team and yourself, a different approach to this race. You've had a you, you know, you mentioned there the 40 with a chance of a podium. 
you've really had to come about, come at this race from a different angle, a, a, even more strategy employed. Yeah, it, um, we've had to really do a lot of strategy, you know, based on some of the changes that were made on our cars just before we arrived in the weekend. And, um, you know, it's been really hard to, um, to be able to um, double stint some tires. Yeah, and then we have to you have to save tires. Everybody does because you get a limited selection. So we've had our challenges. That's all I can say. And um, let's get this one finished and get out of here. Well, Wayne, you know you've been around a long time. You've had you know tales of war, and you've also had joy and glory. It, it's races like this that make the race wins all the more glorified, I suppose, is it? It, it's so true, but I can tell you, there's nothing I hate more, and that is not winning. I literally will go away from here, and I'll be sick in my stomach until the next race. Really? Really? It, it's just, I don't know. Even after all these years? It, I don't know. It gets worse. And I, don't, I just don't get it. I suppose also, you know, there's both my kids are driving in the series, and so... It's a double whammy, you know, when you look at it. You know, you gotta you gotta cut out the father son's relationship and be team owner and drivers. But you can't stop your heart feeling the way it is. And it's your heart that keeps you coming back. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, every year this time of the night, normally we were doing a lot better than this. I would be still saying in my mind, you know what, I don't do this again. <laughs> and after this, after watching this now, if I do do this again next year, then I'm an idiot. Wait, mate, you we will do that. You say that to me every every race. All right, when when you know we, we'll get this one out of the way. But when does Wayne Taylor Racing start thinking about the next one? The next one being Sebring, of course. Uh, tomorrow. So I, when it when it ends? I knew you were going to say that. Thanks, Wayne. I'll leave you to your day. Thank you, mate. Yeah, and just to confirm, his kids, who are not necessarily the age of kids anymore, but I know I get the phraseology, are in his cars this year. That's not always the case, but Ricky Taylor driving the 10 Acura, and Jordan is in the 40 car. So what he means is it's a double whammy. Not only is he having to take this tough race for the two Acuras, but also both of his sons are as well. Can I give a, sh a shout out to Sheldon van der Linde driving the number one GT Daytona Pro car because it has just done the fastest lap of the race so far for any of the GTD cars. Uh, it happened the lap before last, 1 minute 46.094 for the Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 GT3 and it just flashed purple on my screen, an indication that... Uh, the conditions at one minute past four in the morning here at the Daytona International Speedway are perhaps better than they have ever been so far in the race. And a terrific effort that. You have to get the stars aligning because he would have encountered very little traffic. He would have had to get out, out of the way of very little quicker GTP and LMP2 cars on that particular lap. But the South African is charging very hard indeed in an effort to stick with... Seb Prio's AO racing Porsche number 77 which is four seconds up the road you can only what you do what you can do can't you so he's doing it very well indeed and uh, you know what a talented family you look at the talented racing families we just heard about Ricky and Wayne and um, Jordan Taylor we've got obviously Dries Van Tor and his older brother Lawrence Van Tor and then the Van der Linders uh, racing all around the world uh, 
and for Sheldon, who's been a BMW man for a long time now, you know, they are absolutely tip-top. But some of them, you look at their early careers, particularly the Van der Linders coming up to Europe from South Africa with not a lot of racing under their belt, certainly a racing family. Um, but they, they stuck their neck out. They won some titles uh, low down in the racing four categories and have really come good. But they're super consistent. And, you know, when you look at what teams and manufacturers require of their drivers it's not just getting in the car and being quick it's so much more than that now so clearly they've learned the lessons well it does help coming from a racing family with a great history down in south africa you know you pick up stuff almost through out of the ether when you're around racing people but uh, clearly a great deal of ability too so good job and track conditions do look very very good at the moment which is actually how they want them through the night at daytona this is Night Owls with Sacred live from the track on 107.9 FM, WDIS. And we're also on Sirius XM Channel 207. We're on NBC and Peacock for this segment of the race through till 6 a.m. local, powered by Sacred Coffee. This is RS2 IMSA Radio with Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones in the Global Broadcast Centre. And thoroughly enjoying... Kevin Estra's escapades at the head of the order because, again, nearly a seven-second advantage being built by the Frenchman over Tom Blomqvist's Cadillac V-Series R. Right now, even though Blomqvist was marginally faster than Kevin Estra the last time around, the Whalen Engineering Cadillac doesn't seem to have an answer to the 963's pace in this uh, portion of the morning. Evan Estra is getting towards, thank you, towards the end of his stint, and Tom Blomqvist has actually brought that down from over 11 seconds. In fact, when, when Blomqvist uh, rejoined in the number 31 Whelan Engineering Cadillac, he was 13 seconds down, so he's got that speed, but then he'll be, when uh, Kevin Estra dies in out of the lead and Blomqvist assumes the lead, of course, Kevin Estra will come out with 100% tank capacity and uh, in terms of the energy and uh, at that point uh, presumably Blomqvist will be down to about 50% but uh, certainly Blomqvist sitting pretty because in this stint the important margin is not so much his gap to Kevin Estra it's the back it's the margin to Conor de Filippi who's currently in third effective second because he too had served a pit stop recently because it's gone out from about a second to uh, what we're looking at there four and a bit seconds so uh, certainly with each lap 31 Cadillac just gaining a little bit more of an advantage over the BMW and in behind Colton Herter, another five and a bit seconds back in uh, the number 40 Acura. So come on, Wayne Taylor, have a little smile. I think it would need to be later on in the race and, him to, and that car to be in this position still for him to start to realise there still might be the chance of getting you a good result. He suggested that the 40 car might well be able to sneak onto the podium. But crucially for Wayne, it's not a win and it's going to stay with him potentially for the next month and a half until we hit the concrete at Sebring for round two of the Insert WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2024. That again will be covered live right here on RS2 IMSA Radio, just up the road, remaining in Florida before the great travels around the US and to Canada, of course, for the rest of the 2024 season. Side-by-side side, LMP2 action now, and uh, this is the CrowdStrike 04 car on the inside with Colin Brown, Nico Pino in the other car, number two of United Autosports, and they, through the last split, were separated by just 0.2 of a second. Pino's still just about ahead of Colin Brown. So, actually, well, Brown's just got back ahead coming out of the Le Mans chicane. So they were side-by-side. And uh, Nick Bull in the Inter-Europol by PR1 Matheson Motorsport car has just made a pit stop 
and returns to the racetrack in seventh position in LMP2. But it's Paul Luke Chatin who continues to lead for AO Racing. This is a mightily impressive stint from an LMP2 specialist. He's been a multi-champion in the European Le Mans series, uh, most recently in 2019 when uh, when EDEC Sport took victory in the ELMS, but also been a champion at the World Endurance Championship level as well. Uh, I was going to call him a safe pair of hands. He's an awful lot more than that, Paul Luke Chateau. Yeah, also won an LMP3 title in the European Le Mans series back in 2013. Overall champion in 2014, as you said, 2019. You don't just uh, do that by mistake. And IMSA P2 champion last year with Ben Keating. So uh, clearly, state size, as I pointed out a short while ago, is really where he loves his racing right now. I know he's a very, very popular member of the team. Probably because he's quite nice out of the car, as well as being yeah. quick when in it. Because, you know, that's still a massive factor. When drivers come across from single-seater racing, some of them, of course, are not even going to single-seaters anymore. <clears throat> they start their careers and move almost directly into sports cars or GTs or whatever to step up the order. But, uh, you know what, the dynamic between people, they're not just together at the racetrack, they're together in the hotel, they're together on the flights, uh, together uh, around, around wherever they're going. But certainly for Paul uh, Chatin, I was hearing, uh, I think it was PJ Hyatt being interviewed on Friday, and he was... Uh, you know, speaking in glowing terms of the Frenchman. The racetrack again in very good condition right now because uh, there were back-to-back -back personal best lap times in GTD last time around. Yeah, that's very recent data. So for Rahel Fry, not just a PB for her, but for the 83 Lamborghini itself, the 147.774. And Mirko Bortolotti in the number 19 car has just done a personal best time for the number 19, which is not in that leading gaggle. In fact, it's not had a great deal of luck. But in the Sistrion Lynx Lamborghini, maybe they've set those cars up to be supersonic in the nighttime hours. Car 19, unfortunately for Merco, down in ninth position in GTD Pro. Can I offer you a change of positions in P2? Because Ryan Yells just moved up to second in class, just moving ahead of Scott McLaughlin, so number 18 ahead of number 8, and right on their tail is Brazilian racer Felipe Fraga. So good little scrap. All those three cars covered by about one and a half seconds. Out front, however, in class, Paul Le Chatin, we've just been speaking about him, seven and a bit seconds clear, but certainly Ryan Yell, who was second in class ahead of the pit stops, uh, has got back ahead of Scott McLaughlin in the circle for the pit stop. So maybe it was a case of, as you were, gentlemen, but uh, certainly that was uh, very neat and tidy and got the move done very well indeed. Now, we mentioned, I mentioned the CrowdStrike Racing by APR, Algarve Pro Racing Orica, driven by Colin Brown at the moment. He is fifth, but the man looking after the initiative, together with wife Samantha Cox, is Stuart Cox, now with Joe for this CrowdStrike report. I'm doing the rounds of the team principals during the night, Stuart, and uh, I just want to see, you know, how you guys are doing. You're the man with the name at the top of the shop, if you like, or above the shop. What's it like so far for you guys? Um, Without hexing it, Stu, is what I mean. Yeah, we don't want any of that. Uh, mind you saying that, earlier on we had a bit of an issue that's actually cost us a bit. Um, Colin, on the couple of restart, a restart ago, uh, just uh, went up the inside of uh, the Ligier and uh, Fraga in the 74 car was just in front of us and there was a bit of a gap and I wouldn't say he was necessary going for the gap but it just panned out and he ended up tapping the back of Fraga and we've got damage on the front clip. 
now that's actually costing us lap time which is why we've actually gone backwards but what we've done is is rather than change the front clip at the next stop when we had to do tires it would have cost us uh, probably 20 seconds we opted to go with just tires and beat the clip so at the next stop we're going to change front clip and uh, put uh, Toby in with this set of tyres to alleviate having a long stop. And I think our pace on uh, second stint tyres is very, very good at the moment. So, we, you know, we'll sort of, I think we'll be uh, in a position to bounce back. But saying that, I think everybody else, the way their sequences are, they're all going to take tyres in their next stop. So it'll be interesting to see what our pace is on second stint tyres as, as opposed to brand new ones. But um, other than that, it's been relatively trouble free. But, you know, saying trouble free, we've just gone and thumped the nose. So. You know, Stu, what, what you've just described there, you, you know, after all the time and effort to get here and here we are, you know, we've, we've gone by half distance, which is a hell of a lot of time in a 24 hour race. And that, then it can come down to a, a split second decision from a driver, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty intense. It is. It's actually been a mega race so far. It's been a lot more exciting than I thought. You know, we're having to push on. The, uh, normally with these sort of uh, endurance races where you get your wave back, wave buys, you can do a lot of fuel save and take it easy because the race generally comes down to the last 20 minutes, as we saw from last year. But um, now everybody's starting to push on and they're, they're racing bloody hard. So it's been very good. And I hope the spectators are enjoying it. Stuart, I know you've got a lot of experience in this sport. You know, the highest level, you worked in Formula One. The intensity is, you know, it's a little bit different, isn't it, on these long, drawn-out races, or is it? You tell me. No, not, not really. You're still managing, you know. You listen in Formula One, it's all about looking after the tyre. You're managing, so you're not necessarily driving the car as fast as it can go on that lap because you're looking for the, the pace in laps down the road, you know further laps like lap 9 10 11 12 for instance so you can't just go out and murder the tires on the first few laps so it's all about managing the tire so it's very similar we're we're, we're having to push as hard as we can but with being very careful not to upset the tire and have the tire fall off a cliff which we don't want and what about managing people because it's team principal you have to be the, the, the team psychologist, the team mother, the team social worker. It's a, and you've got to motivate the men and women in the team as well, haven't you? You're shaking your head there, Stu. <laughs> Good job we're not telling. No, no, you're exactly right. It's murder. <laughs> yeah, that's the hardest bit, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, the, it, it you, you know, you always say to the drivers, you know, it's the same adage, you know, I need to drive as fast as you can, but don't hit anything and save the brakes and look after your car and the gearbox, you know? So... Uh, it's quite amusing from that respect but um, yeah you, you're trying to keep on top of everything make sure the guys don't get too excited in a pit stop because things happen and when, when you throw in a bit of diversity into something uh, uh, that you might not have exactly planned for or trained for it, it can throw in the odd uh, mistake from somebody but so far everybody's done a super job Um the lads looking after the car are pushing on. The pit stops have been okay so far, so no grumbles really. The the two race engineers down here, David and uh, Jeff, are doing a cracking job. And I'm just up here when I see and I can add a little bit, which I do a bit of old school 
engineer, uh, not engineering, but strategy. Looking at the race, there they've got computer screens that, you know, it'll take me a month and a half of training before I can understand what they're looking at. There's so much going on with their uh, the the information that we get sent to us, uh, where we use this uh, pace tech system for strategy and help. But sometimes it's just down a, you know, a bit of a seat of the pants call at the right time, and there's been a few of those made here this evening so as you saw we had um, George had to jump back in because there was seven minutes more driving time so we made a call there and that was not very really, you know just looking at how it would pan out and that was a quick call both drivers were ready and literally on that lap as the car was called into the pits we made the decision to put George in and not Colin and then it worked out really well because the way the other cars were running we were in a position to do what we needed to do so you know, just got to keep pushing, and uh, the aim is to come and win it. Thanks, Jim. Fabulous insight there at APR, CrowdStrike Racing with APR. Now, during that uh, pit report, we had a couple of stops for the 6 and the 85. How about this for a late call for the number 6, though, that had to come right across the nose of a GT car that was one of the Porsches, wasn't it? So they were going in the, on the radio, I'm sure, pit, pit, pit. And Kevin Esther was thinking, well, I'm on the right-hand side of the circuit. I can't get to pit road. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for you to say. Yeah. Talk about a close call. Do you know what? That is years of racing at the Nürburgring Nordschleifer, I reckon, paying dividends because you've got to know the dimensions of your car and also uh, your, your surroundings, if you like. And he knew that he had to come in probably because the uh, uh, energy reader was down to single digits and Kevin Esther pulling that off uh, to an exemplary fashion, and he stays at the wheel of the car, whereas Richard Westbrook, who also pitted at the end of that particular lap in the 85 JDC Miller Motorsport car, there was a driver change there, Westy getting out, and Tymon von der Helm, the young Dutchman, taking charge. But what about that, Bruce? Slicing his way well, through it'll, it'll be on the highlights, Tate, that's for sure. Big time. Whoa. Now then... Joe, uh, pit stops for LMP2, and yes, from the lead of the LMP2 class, you've just gone from APR and crowd strikes, talking to uh, Stuart Cox. Uh, Paul Luke Shatter comes in, in spite the dragon. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not omnipresent, uh, Johnny. It's just they're next door to one another, and I popped out the crowd strike pit, just as the 99, the dragon car, the purple and orange dragon livery car. And that's the car pulling away there. Um, I got there quite late. I'm not sure. Yes, we have we have got uh, Paul Luchatan out of the car, so we'll see if we can get a chat with him. Um, give me a few minutes, guys. Let the, let the driver cool off, and then I'll give you a shout. I was going to say, give PLC a few minutes just to debrief and to catch his breath. He's a fit guy, but he'll need a bit of water because it's a warm night here at Daytona. Also in on this lap is the number two of Nico Pino. Young uh, South American and the uh, United Autosports car USA, United Autosports USA in from fifth position. Christian Rasmussen taking charge of the number 18 era motorsports Orica and that car rejoining too. Yep, nice clean pit stops down there and uh, just waiting to see indeed who has taken over uh, from Paul Lou Chatin. Really, really strong run for AO Racing in Spike, the car that's drawing a lot of media attention all around the world, following on from Rexy, of course. Uh, it's, it, it just adds something rather different 
Whenever I saw Rex here, I always thought about the, um, the flying tigers after the Second World War, uh, based out in the Far East, with the beautiful teeth on the nose of their, of their planes long, long time ago. But again, in a pack of uh, so many cars to stand out, you have to do really something very different indeed. The Tower, Orica, also in the pits now, came, came in a lap later. That was uh, running very, very nicely in the hands of Scott McLaughlin. Went out for after its pit stop into second place, came down one position to third, but all very tight. But we'll see where that one slots back in. But the T P2 battle, as with pretty much every battle, is very tight indeed. At the moment, the only class that hasn't got a close battle because of the pit stop sequence, not for any other reason, is the GTD class. And Indy Doncha's leading that in the Winwood uh, Racing uh, Mercedes by 30-something seconds. But once he gets into the pit cycle with the others, Kenton Cook is very much in the mix and let's go down to hear from Paul Chatin uh, because he's with Joe Bradley uh, well we expected the LMP2 fight to be intense and that's what it's turning out to be and you're right there in it yeah. yes exactly you know LMP2 it's always, always really tight there is no BOP at all in the LMP2 so we just push from the first lap to the end after we have to chip the car in one piece until the last hour because it's where it's matter but the team is doing a great job. We, we had a small issue at the beginning of the race, but now the car looks better and we are able to fight. So I think our pace starts to be good and uh, we need to keep working like that, but um, step by step. Are, are you absolutely flat out or are we looking after tyres or, or is it really just a, a sprint race over 24 hours? Yeah, it's more or less a sprint race over 24 hours. Of course, we take a little care in the traffic because we don't want to have any issue right now so um, I, I would say we are at 99 percent thank you Paul Chatan there isn't that incredible to think that the LMP2 battle is literally that just a battle flat out driving those cars as fast as they can the 32 year old Frenchman from just to the southwest of Paris um, but uh, has been an international racer and very successful, as Bruce mentioned last year here in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. They're doing the front uh, clip change, I notice, on the 04 now. So the nose damage, particularly on the front right corner, missing a dive plane. So during a scheduled pit stop, that work being carried out. It was interesting to hear from Stuart Cox at APR that uh, that had been left for a bit, and now the opportunity to get it changed it's a fair there's a fair chunk out of the nose and you can see why bruce it was losing so much time yeah certainly uh, the the front right uh, headlight and underneath it well it's not really attached to the bottom part of the bodywork no. there's a great big chunk missing and you could just imagine the effect particularly going high on the banking of that getting airstream in where it's not invited to go in uh, from the design studios of orica but uh, again stuart cox at uh, APR just talking, Crowdstrike Racing by APR talking about how he's got all these people with incredibly clever telemetry and things, but you've still got that sort of seat of the pants team manager at the top of the chart, and he took that decision, went, you know what, we're going to lose more time if we do it this way, let's do it the next way sorry, Toby Sowery will now at least go out of the car that's going to be handling uh, rather better than it has been for a while, but it is about managing the small things to add up to the big picture, and Stuart Cox, I mean he really has been there, seen it done it and I just like that old school approach, actually. Clearly, the attitude as well, that he couldn't even understand how to turn a lot of these computers on. No. I do like that. He doesn't need to. He's got people who know how to do it. That's their job. He has to bring all his experience to bear, and that's what he does. Play to your strengths. 
and uh, Stuart's been doing this uh, an awfully long time and brings with it, therefore, the necessary and crucial experience. And uh, the boffins that operate the computers in the background, well, they're employed for precisely their skills as well, and it's all combined into a team effort. It's easy to forget that a motor race is totally about the team behind the scenes as well as uh, the nut behind the wheel, as they're so often called. Good battling again in the GT Daytona and GT Daytona Pro classes. Daniel Junkadea, only 0.4 of a second now over Daniel Serra. So Serra's been taking chunks out of the Corvette's lead in the Risi Competizione Ferrari, 0.6 through the last split. Tommy Milner in third in the second of the Corvette. So the bright yellow cars running first and third. And then Sheldon van der Linde, where I mentioned an absolute best lap time from the South African within class not too long ago. He still has that, the 146.094. And he's got the Paul Miller Racing BMW up to fourth position now, car number one. And is this a potential overtakes? The 62, no, not no. behind the number three. It's going behind the 120, which is the Chris, uh, the Chris Chiphart racing with Wright Motorsport Porsche, passing it uh, really rather easily around the outside. But again, it's about one driver realising he's not in the battle with the other. Let's not slow either of us down. It's maturity is totally sensible. And certainly uh, that red Ferrari from Ritzy Competizione going very well indeed. They're in different classes as well. One's GTD Pro, that's the Ferrari. And uh, certainly uh, it's a GTD only for chip heart racing with that blue Porsche. So with its one functioning tail light, the Corvette of Daniel Junkadea now approaching the international horseshoe. Risi Competizione's Ferrari just to the left of the BMW of Connor Di Filippi, who heads out of there with the Corvette right in front of him through the kink and had to just feather the throttle there because it was all oh, there's no way by the Corvette into the eastern horseshoe, I don't think either. He can get around now on the outside line, just about clipping the kerb, which briefly unsettled the car, but nice control in the end from Di Filippi, who maintains that second position. He cannot afford to be losing too much time, though, on Colton Herter behind, who's also missing some of the some tail light on the uh, Acura, I've noticed as that hits the high banks once again. Yeah, traffic doesn't affect all the drivers equally. Some laps it comes to you, some laps uh, it just obstructs you. But certainly the lap last time round for Coda de Filippi was the uh, best part of one and a half seconds slower than race leader Tom Blomqvist in the 31 Whelan engineering Cadillac. That did a 1 minute 37.7 second. That 1 minute 39.2 for Coda de Filippi. 1 minute 38.3 for Colton Herter. May have been traffic delaying Conor De Filippi, but if that degree of difference uh, continues, the uh, his margin over the chasing Colton Herter will come down to next to nothing. Let's see if this lap free of traffic, or is going to be relatively free of traffic through to the end, will enable Conor De Filippi, so long a BMW driver, it's great to have him in a prototype now, uh, can hold on to that second place, but the gap's going to be closing all the time. Again, a potential overtake in the GT classes through the tri-oval. So often the cars get really closed on the braking area there. This is the Windward 57 car that actually leads the class. So this will be some lappery on the 43 Porsche, which uh, actually makes way for 57 Indy Doncha. So it's Gabby Chavez in the, Conqu in the Andretti Motorsports Porsche realising that the GTD leader was wanting to get by. Chavez 12th, Doncha 1st, and leading from Kenton Cook by over half a minute. 
The fight very much now on between Kenton Cook for court off Preston and the inception racing McLaren of Ollie Milroy. Less than a second between the second and third place cars in GTD. Great news have all that variety in the class. Up front, though, it's just looking very, very good indeed to Tom Blomqvist. Eight seconds clear of Conor de Filippi. So Cadillac ahead of BMW. Third place, Colton Herter, the better of the two Accuras from Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti. Of course, the sister car, number 10, has had many, many woes and uh, certainly a loss of power early in the race. Uh, let, left them scratching their heads. It's still, still circulating, but way, way down the order. In fact, 46th overall. And I think, effectively, those still running, only two other cars in behind. But still fighting on, still actually setting very good lap pace. Too little, too late, though. Uh, Matt Brabham's now in the AO Racing car. You may have mentioned that. It was the first time I've spotted it in the 99, taking over from Paul-Luc Chattat. So Brabham leading LMP2 by a smidge. That's half a second, pretty much, from Christian Rasmussen in the Aero Motorsport 18. And then it is Ferdinand Habsburg in the Tower Motorsports Orica. So 99, 18 and 8. Currently the top three in LMP2. GTP now headed by Tom Blomqvist with this nearly eight second advantage now over Conor Di Filippi who is exiting the international horseshoe with the resplendent scoring tower over to his right just before he hits the left hand the little nagy left hand kink on the infield next to the bleachers there a wonderful place to be standing at this time of the morning, though, because uh, generally the big crowd that was there for the first four or five hours has dispersed for some sleep. And uh, a number of times in the past I've uh, headed to the infield section because uh, this race really it does take on a completely different complexion in the dead of night. Um, and you can get so close to the cars as well. On the inside of that left-hand kick, you realise quite how fast they're going. Yeah, but, you know, while the grandstands may empty... In certain areas, they remain full. The campsite, there are always people doing something, whether they're yes. just nipping out of their tent to go and uh, check what's happening on the banking or whether their barbecue is ready to go. In the night, there are still people moving around, so it has its own camp within the camp nature. Right, I'm very pleased to report Conor de Filippi got completely back on the pace of the race leader on that last lap, so clearly the previous one, traffic was in the way of that number 25 BMW, but uh, he is down to next to no juice left on board. Energy remaining 5%. Race leader Tom Blomqvist down to 15%. Chaser in third place, Colton Herter down to 10%. And Joseph Newgarden fourth in the number 7 Porsche. That will be coming into pit very soon. Again, Kevin Estra, who've led this race for a while, has 70% on board. He's half a stint away from coming in so the order is going to change and the six Porsche will soon be back in the lead of the race expect a flurry in the pit lane Joe they're coming your way very soon indeed a change of lead in LMP2 Christian Rasmussen needed to be brave there he got much better pace coming out of speedway turn two onward towards the Le Mans chicane and the overlap just about maintained on Matt Brabham so Era Motorsports charging hard with Christian Rasmussen to the inside line in the break zone for the Le Mans chicane and nabs the lead away from Matt Brabham in the 99. So it's 18 to the front, Spike the Dragon back to second, and how far away is Ferdy Habsburg from that scrap? Only a couple of seconds. So whilst Matt Brabham might be slightly on the back foot, this could be a big chance now for the Austrian driver to close in in car number eight. There really is some good racing under cover of darkness here, isn't there? You know, it depends. You, you really feel the camera crews are just trying to work out which gaggle to pick up on. But the, you know, they're sport for choice. 
almost at any point around the banking we've got a class battle the only class that's uh, you know an enormous margin between first and second remains to be gtd where the windward racing mercedes is sitting very pretty 35 seconds to the good that's indy dodgy the dutch racer head of car number 32 which is uh, the caught off preston mercedes so mercedes one two in class third place the mclaren right on the tail of Kenton Cook is Ollie Milroy, the number 70 Inception Racing 720S. But Indy Doncha sitting on a, a chunky lead. Nobody else in the other three class can afford to back off for a nanosecond. We've hit 4.30 in the morning, so let's take this opportunity for a VP in-race update. Tom Blomqvist leads the motor race after 14 hours and nearly... 50 minutes, so that's 9 hours and 10 still to go, and Whalen Engineering's Cadillac V-Series R after 476 laps lead by pretty much 10 seconds Blomqvist over Colton Herter in the number 40 Wayne Taylor Racing, Acura and Joseph Newgarten now up into third position because Conor Felipe, this car has just made a pit stop, so the 25 BMW on pit road and Joseph Newgarten the Porsche from Penske Motorsports, the car to benefit from that up to third position. In LMP2, it's the number 18, Christian Rasmussen-driven Aero Motorsports, Orica, after a splendid overtake just two minutes ago on the AO Racing Orica, the bright purple, spike the Dragon liveried uh, LMP2 car of Matt Brabham. They were side-by-side side in the braking area for the Le Mans chicane, and Rasmussen coming out in front. 18 leads, 99, and the number 8, Ferdy Habsburg Tower Motorsports, Orica, is in third position. GT Daytona Pro has Daniel Junkadea leading in the number three Chevrolet Corvette from Corvette Racing by Pratt & Miller. Ferrari 296 of Risi Competizioni just half a second back, though, for Brazilian Daniel Serra. So Span uh, Spain versus Brazil there for the three and the 62, and it's American driver Tommy Milner for the number four Corvette who is in third position. GTD headed by Dutchman Indy Doncher for Windward Racing in their Mercedes AMG number 57 ahead of Kenton Cook for Courtoff Preston Motorsport and there's about 35 seconds now separating the two AMG's GT3 cars in GTD third position is Ollie Milroy's number 70 Inception Racing McLaren so representing the UK and Woking, to be more specific, the McLaren 720S GT3 Evo. That's another VP in-race update, live from the Daytona International Speedway. Around the world on RS2 IMSA Radio, we're at the track on 107.9 FM WDIS and on Sirius XM Channel 207. And another 90 minutes or so of the Night Owls with Sacred Stint, Bruce Jones to my right, I'm Johnny Palmer, we've got Joe Bradley in the pit lane providing our CrowdStrike pit lane reports and the number three car, I've just talked about the uh, three car being the race leader, well no longer albeit briefly because Daniel Junkadea arrives on pit road for a scheduled stop Bruce. Yeah, the one, I, the one I was watching was actually the very slow pit stop, the long pit stop for Conor de Filippi, came in in second place, a lap ahead of the race leader who's just come in now, which is Tom Blomqvist in the 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac, but uh, the, the tail, the bodywork at the rear of the BMW was uh, removed, it looked like the gearbox oil was being uh, topped up 
but for Conor de Filippi that's dropped him from second down to seventh place so that's not quite what the doctor ordered but the American racer back out onto the track and again of course you do have rolling repairs through uh, in the midnight hours, the Acura in second uh, that came in from what was third place, Colton Hurst, are also sitting in the pit lane at the moment. The Whelan Engineering Cadillac, nice, clean, slick pit stop. It looks like it's going to be very much the same for the number f the number 40 Acura as well. So that gets going as well. That's the red and black Acura. The sister car, number 10, was the one that had the problems. The blue one still going, but way down the order, all the way down, actually having just served a pit stop as well in 46th position. So let's take a look further down. Indy Doncha still just reeling off the laps in that 57 BMW uh, Mercedes leading uh, GTD for Windward Racing. It looks like a really, really clear run. But three cars in second, third and fourth in GTD. Kenton Cook in the number 32. And Mercedes from Courtoff Preston Motorsports. Ollie Mulroy in the number 70 Inception McLaren. And 80, which is uh, Rui Andrade who shares the uh, Lone Star Racing Mercedes. That's three Mercedes in the top four in GTD with uh, Sally Yoluk and, uh, of course, Scott Andrews and Adam Christodoulou. That's been in the lead of the class before, but at the moment, Indy Doncha leading comfortably for Windward Racing. Not a good sight with the number 14 Lexus RCF of Vassar Sullivan in the garage. So behind the wall, it's gone back to where... The 14 crew are based this weekend. Kyle Kirkwood brought that car in with clearly a significant problem. So once again, similar to BMW in the GTP ranks, it may well be that Lexus have firmly concentrated on the number 12 car and trying to get that initially up into the top six and maybe scraping a podium. But even that seems like a tough ask for Frankie Montecalvo et al., at this stage, a Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 arrives on pit road, and this will be the uh, number... Is it number six or number seven? Seven, seven. car. Only look at the nose rather than the, on the side. And uh, a windscreen clean as well. So from the lead of the race, Joseph Newgarden is in. Pieper Durrani has just come in and gone back out again, and Colton Herter back out into the race as well. So that will mean that the lead of the race flips from one side of the Porsche Penske Motorsports uh, initiative to the other. Seven bails out of, pit, of the race lead, albeit briefly, and Kevin Estra back to the front. Well, I mean, he was really entertaining to watch, not least for that pit, pit road entry for the previous stop right through a load of GT cars. Hang on a minute, more dramas for BMW. Now, they're yep. going to hope this is for the 24 rather than the 25, but it's not, because the 25 of Conor Filippi pitted not too long ago, and now this is losing an awful lot of ground as well, Bruce. Yeah, I saw something being topped up at the rear of the car. I think it was gearbox oil, and I did worry the other crews uh, from the other class front runners in GTP were not doing that at this particular pit stop, but I thought maybe it's BMW. It's just a routine efficiency, but clearly a scurry back in. While that was happening, I saw another mechanic who was out on the apron having to sprint to the pit wall to get something to put in the car. Then I saw it was whatever fluid was being put in the back, but clearly something untoward. So Conor de Filippi, I had that slight concern ahead of the pit stop that he wasn't running at the pace of race leader Tom Blomqvist in the 31 Cadillac. But then it proved to be traffic. He was lapping within a few tenths of a second once they got clear of the traffic all over again. However, then it was the time to come in the pit stops. He pitted a lap before 
uh, the 31 Cadillac, but it was a longer pit stop. And now Conor de Filippi back in the pits, but uh, down in seventh place. He's now one and a half, two laps in arrears. So this is going to be very costly for them. And bear in mind, the sister car, the number 24, was running right in the mix, but about an hour and a half ago, came to a standstill just ahead of turn six, just going out of the infield horseshoe. And uh, that has lost an awful lot of time. In fact, I have to scroll down to 14th position and 14 laps off the lead of the race. That's Dries Van Toor in the sister car. So for uh, the Rahal Lanigan Racing BMW crew, always looking pretty good at the midway point in the race. And then suddenly things have started happening. But unfortunately for them, it's been on not one of their cars, but both. And that's where the real misfortune comes. Pit stop there for the number 32, caught off Preston Motorsports Mercedes AMG, and Kenton Cook, after at least a double stint, is now out. And Maxi Gertz welcomed back into the 32 car. It's dropped to sixth, but with Gertz at the wheel, you can guarantee that it will be able to make up a few more places between now and the end of this stint. It is 22 minutes to five in the morning. Kevin Estra is the new race leader in the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport car from Cadillac 31 and Acura number 40. As we can take another CrowdStrike pit report, here's Joe. Yeah, it's a 77 heel Porsche coming in for a pit stop. Tires and fuel only, though. The driver's staying on board. Replenished drinks bottle, but he needs that in this humidity. It's cooled off massively since this early evening, but here we are in the middle of the night and it's still very, very hot, hot, um, hot warm and sticky. So what it must be like in those cars. Engine's still running while the fuel goes in in IMSA. And then the obligatory wheel spin just to scrub the sheen off those brand new Michelins. Thanks, Joe. Um, I'm getting word, actually, that part of the reason why the 32 came in and then they're presumably then consequently done a, a full pit stop i.e. with the driver change as well is that they actually got black flagged the 32 caught off mercedes operational requirements which rather covers a multitude of sins it's one of those phrases that doesn't give you much information at all but uh, i can understand why they use it because uh, there could be all manner of reasons why it needs to stop but the 32 black flagged and then presumably permitted to rejoin after those operational requirements were met absolutely side by side in lmp2 and around the outside goes the orange and white tower motorsports car on spike the dragon a terrific overtake down through turn one from ferdinand Habsburg to pick off matt brabham on the high side of turn one you don't see that too often bruce Ferdinand Habsburg does nothing that's not extravagant. I think that's an extravagant, fabulous move around the outside. He'll be chuckling his way around the banks, the uh, Austrian aristocrat. What a great inclusion. He is in any championship, such a character, not just fast on board, but, you know, he entertains and keeps the team's mo mojo up when he's in the pit garage as well. But by golly, he can race. So that was a fabulous move. And again, Daytona just offers something very, very special. No wonder it's caught on as a formula since 1966. 24 hours on the banking and the infield, it's a cracker. But that, again, Ferdy will be talking his way through that moment many times when he finishes his stint. But that was a brilliant, brilliant start from him there. The real advantage of doing it that way, and you've got to be so brave and confident indeed in the car that it's going to do what you expect it to do. But outbreaking someone to the right-hand side 
as you come off the banking, which is what Ferdy's doing on the very next lap now, and staying on the outside line, the reward, the instant reward, is then the inside line for the international horseshoe. You can be neck and neck with someone through the right and left sweeper round the back of the pits and then crucially have the inside line for the next corner which is the right-hander at turn three I think it's normally called even though it's sort of turn four um, so yes uh, that's precisely how Ferdy picked it off and it can work well in somebody's head but then in reality um, you need the stars to align for it to to happen without any contact and uh, just the, the perfect example of it. You know what, you're quite right. It's it, The very best moves often are, are planned some distance in advance, but the driver's imagining them. And I always sort of liken a driver when they're going out to set a qualifying lap, particularly when you've got a very short qualifying period, how they've pictured, they have the mental image of how the lap's going to look. And the only sport that I think really has an equivalent is when you see people at the top of a ski slope and they're about to go racing they're planning their route down the slalom course or how they're going to hit the jumps how they're going to compress and make sure they don't get too much air i mean that's why i think uh, so many people that love motor racing also really love the alpine events i certainly do and in fact there aren't enough weekends in the winter to watch all i'd like to watch but again it's that moment beforehand when you can just sense a driver sitting in the cockpit you can imagine them just even if they're not twitching the wheel, in their mind they are, and particularly at the really tricky circuits, and one that always stood out for me. I remember watching Ricard Rydell, the great Swedish racer, picturing his lap at Macau before he went out onto that superman circuit in, in the Far East for his lap, where really you have wall on one side, wall on the other, no breathing space between. And uh, you know, so many drivers do it, but some are just far more visual in, in that they're in their zone. You know, don't talk to me now, I'm at turn three. No, you're not sitting in the pit lane. It's a fantastic analogy, and yet wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, <laughs> there are so many unknowns in motor racing. Uh, you suppose, I suppose you want to settle on the knowns first and have those pre-planned in your mind, and then your brain can be fully occupied by the, the unpredictable nature of this sport. Joe's got a little more for us down in pit lane. Just wanted to mention the 52 with the Europol car has come in and change drivers not just we've seen a lot of just tires and fuel uh, at this point in the race but in the Europol the 52 in there in the contentious LMP2 scrap that's the only way you can describe what's going on in LMP2 pure racing in those cars and uh, driver change for that car as Paul Lipschata mentioned to you in a previous crowd strike pit report no balance of performance in LMP2 it's really, frankly not necessary the bulk of the order in LMP2 are the Orica LMP207 these they, we did have the Ligier uh, entering the race of course Sean Creech Motorsports and that is still running uh, but in ninth place and behind it sadly only retirees i.e. the number 20 MDK by high class racing car Seth Lucas last driving that but he'd only reached 185 laps fewer laps than, la than that for the other United Order Sports USA car number 22 retiring after 128 circuits and only making 107 laps Richard Millet of course as Orica for Lewis Perez Compank the la uh, last driver in car 88 so we started with 12 LMP2s 9 are still running and you could say that eight are still very definitely in contention. 
Right, one thing I want to pick up on, Johnny, is the fact that so we had a huge class lead in GTD, the only class that had a big class lead, but that was uh, Winwood Racing, and the car gate brought in by Indy Doncha, but it's had a, a, a full brake change during that pit stop, so uh, they've got that done now. That'll take them through to the end of the race, just under nine hours of the 24 still remaining in this fabulous uh, Rolex 24 event, but that beautiful-looking Mercedes, and I use that advisedly because a fabulous livery, but it's looking incredibly clean at this point in the race. Uh, going back out onto the circuit, but they've had their long pit stop, they've got it done. Maybe some of their rivals did it last time around, thus the large advantage over, well, at the moment, Ollie Milroy in the number 70. Uh, McLaren is second in that class, but with Phil Ellis uh, going back out onto the circuit, uh, GTD, the battle has been rejoined, but the, the brakes were done, cool, calm, collected at Winwood Racing. And uh, always best, I suppose, to, to allow half-distance marker to uh, pass you by before you then uh, factor in the brake change. Sometimes that's not possible, and it's done maybe an hour before the half-distance marker, but better to get to the bulk of the race under your belt before you do that. They have to generally be done at some point, because this place, although there's a lot of open country on the speedway turns and on the main straight, uh, heavy, heavy braking, which really does kill brakes, turns one and the two horseshoes on the infield. Now, the battle in GTD Pro, moving up from GTD to GTD Pro, it's down to just uh, 0.277 of a second. And Sheldon van der Linde, who hopped aboard the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW M4 GT3, immediately set that car's fastest lap. We've talked about track conditions being brilliantly. He's getting closer and closer to the tail of Ollie Milroy. Milroy, sorry, uh, Tommy Milner leading the class, the number four Corvette racing entry, but uh, it's almost nose to tail. Two car lengths between them, but having caught the toe, certainly Sheldon van der Linde, the South African driver, is getting closer and closer and closer. Now, right on the tail, driving, oh, and diving into the pit. So, <laughs> playing with the driver ahead. I thought he's going to get the toe up on the banking and make a move into turn one, but instead he's turned more sharply to the left and come in but certainly the pace that Sheldon van der Linde was showing is that M4 GT3 for Paul Miller racing is absolutely on top form. You can't really imagine a better scenario for an in-lap though there when you've got the toe of the class leader helping you through speedways, speedway turns three and four and Joe Bradley not very far away from this stop for the number one. Is he going to stay in Sheldon? Yeah, he looks like he's staying in. I was just next door at Iron Links where the 83 is just pinning for driver, tyres and fuel. Driver jumped out, driver jumped in. I'm not quite sure that it was exactly the same size and shape those two uh, ladies driving that car. Check on, uh, you guys will be able to tell me who was in the 83 and who's what? now in the 83. Meanwhile, the number one BMW, Sheldon van der Linde, staying at the wheel. And that pit stop is done. And there he is, just uh, wheel spinning away. It was fuel and tyres only. Yeah, nice, neat and tidy. Sheldon van der Linde staying on board. It should be Rahel Frey who's gone out in the 83. Not so long ago, we saw Michel Gatting driving that car. They're not quite the same shape and size. And Sarah Bovey and Michel Gatting are both uh, tall individuals. And uh, certainly Bovey got out and Gatting got in. But uh, now, in fact, uh, it's changed again. We've got, OK, we, instead of the two larger one, taller ones, we've gone from the two smaller ones. Rahel Frey's handed over to Dorian Pass. So they're rotating single stints at Iron Dames. Doing it with a smile, doing it with a laugh, running eighth in class. So, again, another strong showing from the all-female crew in the GTD class. Great to have them here. And maybe when you switch Rahel with Dorian, there's no need for a seat insert, because I would imagine, and indeed, to, to pull the seat forward or back, right. probably not the adjustment required that for then Michelle Gatting or uh, Zerabovi to take over. It's like there's been some planning. 
Do you reckon? I yeah. reckon so. Just quite just, possibly so. Just got a hunch. Right, Tommy Bil Milner was leading his class. Ah, the number 25 uh, BMW coming back towards the pit lane and onto pit lane. We saw um, some shots, but not revealing what was happening when the work was going on uh, for BMW M Team RLL. But they've already had the problem with the number 24. We thought it might be out of the race. That's got going again. But last time I checked, it was about 20 laps down. Overall, Dries Van Tour, the driver on board when it came to a halt, the long recovery, the car not making it back on the toe, having to be put on a flatbed. But it's a 25 car that, bear in mind, was running second when it was brought in by Conor de Filippi. But I can tell you what, it dropped to seventh, but importantly for them, or tragically for them, they're now nine laps in arrears. Really intriguing to find out what the problem was. But the fact of the matter is the team thinks it's been fixed. The car's come back from the garages behind the pit lane and is now going back out onto the circuit. So work has been done. be really intriguing to find out what the full extent of that was. Interestingly, during that lengthy stop, they chose not to address the, uh, the one light out on the famous BMW kidney grill. Uh, it's not part of the regulations, of course, to have that illuminated because it's part of the car design to make it look like a BMW. But uh, one side of the kidney grille is brilliantly lit up in the sort of white LED strip and the other one's been out for several hours now. But that clearly wasn't the focus to make the car look a little more symmetrical. Uh, they wanted it to be running, namely. And uh, it is at least under its own steam now with Conady Felipe still driving it sadly no longer flirting with the podium position dropping back to seventh position and a costly pit stop that um, the sector time which incorporates the pit stop 13 minutes and 30 seconds it's actually a lap time of 14 minutes and 43 seconds so it's lost pretty much 15 minutes but within that pit stop. Now, we're talking a lot about the Iron Dames with their Lamborghini. Dorian Paz just taken over that car, and Rahel Fry out of it, Joe. Rahel, the GTD class is about... Well, it's like playing chess at high speed, isn't it? You guys just plugging away. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting more and more intense. I mean, we all love the fresh air of the night, especially the early morning. It's a pleasure to drive out there. We love Daytona. We love this intense fighting. Um, we are pretty happy. We had a little incident earlier on, but so far uh, it's going pretty smooth. Uh, we are back, let's say, with, in the same lap. That's always important, and now we need uh, to be ready for the final push. Does the car actually uh, perform better at this time of day? The air is cooler, the track is cooler? Oh, yes, absolutely. And you can tell as a driver? Absolutely. Although you see I'm still red, I'm still sweaty, but... Uh, it's definitely easier during the night, but um, we are up for every challenge. Uh, we just need to bring it home now. Yeah, you make it sound easy. Track on. Thank you. The 60-second edition of the 24 Hours of Daytona continues. We're still a good couple of hours away from the sun rising, by the way. Quarter past seven, I make it, for sunset on uh, Sunday morning, the 28th. Sorry, sunrise on Sunday morning, the 28th of January 2024. So well over 13 hours of darkness. Eight minutes to five in Florida. And Kevin Estra continues out front by only 1.2 seconds after 488 laps. So this tussle between Porsche and Cadillac continues at speed. And the Acura that Wayne Taylor Racing was insistent might be either make a podium but that was really the best that the 40 car might muster it's still only 5.6 seconds away from the race lead you know and we've got yeah okay 
over a third of the race still to go. But on balance, there appears to be not a great deal wrong with the Acura AR6 zero, uh, ARX06. They've obviously been battling away with uh, various issues and perhaps not wanting to put words in his mouth, but they don't feel like they're necessarily fighting on a level playing field with the other big manufacturers in this race. However, the timing screen never lies. And it's under five seconds now, Colton Herter to Kevin Estra. Yeah, bear in mind also, quite simply, not one, but two of the BMWs have hit trouble. That's removed them or certainly dropped them down the overall order. So you just got to be there, be there, plug away. Might be half a second down some laps, might be a tenth the next time around, but certainly Colton Herter has really put up his hand. He's had a fantastic uh, double stint here, and he's still in the battle. And he's sitting on an advantage of 30 seconds over the car in fourth place, which is the Proton Competition Porsche. The second of the Porsches, of course, the race is being led by one of the two from uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport. That's Kevin Estra in the number six. But as in the previous stint, he's uh, how far into his stint? Well, he's, uh, he's down to 20% energy remaining. So if they've managed it properly, he's uh, effectively about, uh, about uh, four-fifths the way through his stint. He'll be making a pit stop. And then Pipo Durrani, now in the number 31 wheel and engineering, Cadillac, that's car 31 and Colton Herter identical amount of power left 60% so they're matching themselves uh, you know absolutely as they should they have same pit stint length four seconds between them so there we are Colton Herter four second over the potential race leader I think that's not too bad for Wayne really the previous stint for Kevin Estra was 29 laps and within that no laps of caution so expecting that the number six car can do around about the same he's already completed 25 so within the next four maybe five laps that number six car will need to come in for more fuel and perhaps more crucially more energy on our little telemetry webpage imsa.com forward slash gtp hyphen telemetry if you want to keep tabs on that amongst many other things if you've stayed up for the duration so far every credit to you even more so if you began with the green flag lap of the dubai 24 hours which was many hours before we got underway here at daytona um, because of the conflict in the red sea those two famous 24 these two 24-hour races um conflicting somewhat on the same weekend that's posed quite a problem for drivers that wanted to do both for teams that wanted to do both and quite frankly for us here on the radio show limited network of channels because we have been covering both events on uh, each of our rs1 and rs2 imsa radio outlets but a thoroughly intriguing race in the middle east no spoilers here of course on imsa radio if you want to revisit that race later on in the week um, but, uh, yeah, just a, a kind of festival of sports car racing for the final weekend of January. And frankly, you think about a 24-hour race being a good training process for the teams, the drivers, everybody associated with them. But for some of the ardent supporters trying to do the 20, well, what they jokingly call the 48 hours of Dubai as they combine Daytona and Dubai, some of them truly will have had high sights and they'll certainly fall short, I'm sure of that. Now, Joe Bradley, what have we got down in the pit lane? A McLaren diving in. Yeah, just confirm this. Is it the 70 McLaren that was in the lead of GTD? Um, just confirm that for me. It is, it is. It's the Inception yeah. car. Um, that car was uh, leading the class there just before the pit stop fears, and here it is coming into the pits. However, it's not just a straightforward pit stop. We've got the rear deck, which exposes the mid-engine on this McLaren off. Something going on there, not 
much. And then uh, we've got some air... Ah, it's a battery change. Battery change. And the battery's housed in the front of the car. And to get to the battery, you have to take off the air ducts, the air ducting from the front of the car that go all the way through. So it's had a battery change on the number 70, which is going to sort of drop it out of the lead it's it's been flip-flopping the and sort of swapping the lead during the pit stop phases and it's been in contention i'm not sure where this delay for a battery is going to put it the, the rear deck of the car was off because whilst they're changing the battery that's the primary job you might as well do something else and do a bit of service like you know top it up and top the oil up and see if only milroy can shed some light ollie because I'm just uh, I'm just going off what I can see. I'm just going off what I can see. But uh, Ollie Milroy is hanging about on the. He's getting some. Ollie's getting some service done on his uh, on his kill suit. Ollie, have you just got? Yes, you have just got out. Is that a flat battery that you were uh, changed there? I'm not sure. It struggled to start at the start of my last in them, um, and then it went on the second push of the button, and then for some reason it just won't start now. So, um, hopefully, not too long more, not, not too much longer that the car will sit there. You guys were well in contention, weren't you? Swapping the, the lead backwards and forwards. Yeah, and the car feels awesome. Um, like everyone, we're managing tyre deg a little bit. Uh, and, and it feels really good, especially at the end of the stint. It feels really strong, so it's very frustrating, really. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we're certain what the actual issue is yet, so... I'm not sure how long we're going to be sat here. All right, man. Thank you. A real so, shame for Inception Racing. Yeah, the car, by the way, Johnny. Um, he said that, and he was looking over my shoulder at the car. That's still sat here. Yeah, it's still sat here, and it's soaking up the time, soaking up the lap time. That's a shame. I make it nearly an eight-minute stop to this point, and they've not solved the issue quite yet either. You're quite right that it came in as the GTD leader. The, there is another McLaren in the race that's entered into GTD Pro for FAF Motorsports, but down in 10th position currently for James Hinchcliffe. GTD Pro led then by Daniel Junkadea, and there's been a lead change in GTP. Grand Touring prototype, new race leader is Wayland uh, Engineering Cadillac V-Series R of Pipa Durrani, done out on track. He got a terrific run on Kevin Estra. And I reckon it was done at the Le Mans chicane to pull off the overtake ruse. Entirely so. Bear in mind that Kevin Estra is about to make a pit stop, hopefully with a little more warning than he had last time when he dived between a couple of GTD cars to dive into pit in. But the, sim the simple factor is that Pipo Durrani is in a, on a different stint, yet still managed to wheel him in, still managed to pass him and pulled away. Kevin Estra will dive in, and that means the number six Porsche will drop down the order all over again. Colton Herter should go up into fourth uh, from third overall in the number 40, Acura to second, but that is really telling for me because they were running different stints, and I really expected, uh, you know, Kevin Estra in the previous stint was about 10 seconds clear, came down to six seconds. Then, this time around, he's not only had that reduced to nothing, he's been passed by the 31 Cadillac, so that is supreme form for Cadillac 31 crew from Whelan Engineering. And Pipo Girani, the driver, took outright pole position, the fastest ever lap around the banking here, and uh, he's proving that form in the race as well. This is Night Owls with Sacred for 2024, the 62nd edition of the 24 Hours of Daytona, exactly 5 o'clock in the morning. 
We're on NBC and Peacock. We're on RS2, IMSA Radio, around the track on 107.9 FM. I'm sure you found that frequency quite some time ago, but if you lost it in the meantime, or if you've got friends uh, maybe uh, in the vicinity but not actually in the confines of the racetrack, they should be able to find us nearby. And we're also on Sirius XM Channel 207. It's the continuation of the weekend, which uh, I kind of like Bruce's terminology. We could call it the 48 hours of Dutona, or day by, to combine the two. I'm not sure that'll catch on. And <laughs> thankfully, in future years, they should be on separate weekends as well. But we've had everything covered here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Normally two weeks apart, so Dubai, not quite the pre precursor to Daytona, but um, we've had... In previous years, the Dubai 24 hours, then the raw before the 24 here at Daytona, then the 24 hours of Daytona on consecutive weekends. We've had to give the calendar a little bit of a shuffle, though, in 2024. Bruce Jones and Johnny Palmer here on RS2 IMSA Radio for a further hour, powered by Sacred Coffee, and then we'll be handing the reins back to John Hindoff and the rest of the team as uh, we're already having a switch around actually in the pit road because Joe Bradley after a sterling effort bringing our CrowdStrike pit reports Shea Adam before him but uh, it's the third voice that we've heard many times already during the race Nick Damon now looking after matters good morning to you Nick good morning the third voice <laughs> Liming. purely uh, yeah so well I don't know I think in some ways just always put me first anyway uh, the JDC Miller um 85, the yellow cars actually go now a bit more yellow than it was when it came in because they've uh, had a nose change, so they've, uh, they've replaced one nose with another. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean there's any damage on the previous one because obviously a, a change can give them a small downforce shift as well because they can just change some of the dive planes of the internal, so it may just be for a bit of downforce. There's no, whilst it's grubby, there's no sign of any damage on the nose, and it's something they can do change within the time it takes to fuel the car. So, uh, a tactical bit of uh, bodywork change. I walked past it and it still looks... Uh, the one, the, one, of the, one of the light glasses was broken, so that might be it. The hell actually broke one of the glass glasses for the, the light, so possibly that was slightly given an aerodynamic deficit, so there's a new car, a new nose on the 85. He's the only voice in his head. That's Nick Damon for the latest CrowdStrike pit report. And there are another five laps to go until we reach the uh, half to a thousand I don't, we have never got to a thousand laps here at Daytona that really would take some doing but we got very high up recent years I forget now the distance record it wasn't that long ago maybe three or four years ago I'll look that up in a second um, distance records have rather been scuppered though by a number of full course cautions early on in the race in this new era of GTP cars I suppose the reliability will come uh, but there have been, you know, the odd glitch here and there, namely for BMWs enduring our stint, 24 having its problems, and then lastly the 25 BMW GTP Bruce. Yeah, I was just taking a look at what sort of pace the number 24 BMW had managed since the problem for Dries Van Tour, where it slowed and stopped, had to be towed back to the pits, that didn't work, had to be put on a flatbed, lost a lot of time. Fifth. Fifth, uh, 15 laps down is Jesse Croden, the number 24, but lapping as fast as the race leader. In fact, fastest car on the track, 1 minute 37.1 seconds last time around. And the second fastest car on the track was the sister car, number 25, down in seventh position, nine laps down after its uh, delay that took it back behind 
uh, the pit wall to the garages at the back. Be interesting to find out the real reason for the problem for that 25 BMW, but that's the second fastest car on the track. So they've been both delayed, but lapping really, really well at the moment. So Nick, if you could uh, sidle up to the BMW area and find out what it was precisely with the 25 and the 24, never had uh, got to the, the foot of either of the problems for those cars. That would be really handy indeed. But right now, out on the track, both running supremely well. Be really annoying if it was a tiny little problem. I did joke, but with an element of seriousness about my approach to that one. What if a driver had knocked the switch in the car that caused it to stop? Yeah. Which is number 24. It's happened many a time over the decades. But let's face it, it gets harder and harder. There are more buttons to press in so many ways. The cockpits seem even smaller for taller drivers. Maybe that's why Pipo Durrani goes as well as he does, because he's not very tall or large in any, di any dimension fits in beautifully to any cockpit and right now lapping in the lead of the race not particularly great pace at the moment he's only 1.6 seconds clear of Colton Herter so that gap has come down Dirani to Herter it's gone out to 2.3 seconds as I speak as they work their way through traffic but maybe Dirani's just uh, dialing himself in oh yeah in fact his last lap was the best one as he's just in the early laps this stint he's down to a 1 minute 37.3 second lap that's uh, right on the money not quite as fast as the BMWs at the moment but they're respectively 9 and 15 laps in a after all their problems well well let's hear if we wanted to know about 25 BMW and Nick Damon strikes immediately he just got the driver who's climbed out Nick Kiloli hi Nick hi, I just said hi Nick then it confused myself because I'm called Nick as well it's like uh, it's very early in the morning um, and of course it's very early in the morning but unfortunately not a great morning so far for the, either the BMW cars first of all what's the problem with the 25 25 just I've only just arrived so just trying to to the bottom of it. I know we had to fill up something with the oil tank. Um, obviously, we've lost a lot of laps. I think eight or nine, unfortunately. Still over eight and a half hours left in the race, so you never know with the yellows here. You might be able to climb those laps back, but not ideal. Uh, it seems to all be running okay and as normal now. Um, but the exact problem, I can't uh, tell you yet, I'm afraid. I mean, as an outside chance, you know how the problem the 24 had by any chance, because that's also had a long, long trip behind the wall. Um, I know there was a small issue with the steering wheel, uh, but then I don't know anything else apart from that, I'm afraid. That's more than us, so that's fine. Um, now your car's gone out there, it's, it's gone so back to pace again. So it's one of those really annoying faults, it seems, where it's, it's, it's not working, you fix it, and it's absolutely full health again. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I, it was a very late call as well, so I think it's something that happened relatively fast and was able to be fixed within, yeah, let's say, five or six laps once we got the car to the actual garage. So... Yeah, a bit of a shame because we've been fighting in and around the top three for most of the uh, race so far. But like I say, still uh, yeah, a long way to go, so you never know. You're looking as fresh as me, by the way. When, when did you get in the car? Because you, 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 you wrap yourself up for that. Are you in the car soon? Yep, yep. I am uh, in and about, well, just at the end of Connor's stint. So, yeah, ready to go. Great stuff, thank you. Cheers. Nick Yellowly talking to Nick Damon in that CrowdStrike pit report. And uh, just before that, I was posing the question as to exactly how many years ago was the magic number of 833 laps which still stands as the distance record that was 2020 uh, following the year which was massively affected by wet weather where we only got just north of 2,000 miles completed well it was nearly a full thousand miles more than that the following year when Ryan Briscoe, Scott Dixon, Kamui Kobayashi and Renga van der Zander won for Wayne Taylor Racing let's get back to Nick, more news from the pits
Yeah, we've got the, uh, I keep calling it the Mustang sampling Porsche, because actually it's the Proton Porsche, isn't it, which is a managed to climb up from a relatively slow start in the race, and now is, uh, is up fighting with the rest, the number five car. That's got a you know, full service. I think it's actually only taken, no, I think it's got all four tyres and a fuel slug of fuel, and that what seems to happen now a lot is that they use the advantage of the full fuel takes a while for a very good thorough look around the car. They just uh, prod stuff and check it, but it did look like the car was absolutely uh, A-OK. I think the only advantage of being black is you can't see all the detritus from the track, so it still looks as good as it did when it started. Clever bit of pre-planning that, you see, uh, to hide uh, various events through the course of the race. Um, we've talked many times here on RSL about boring white Porsches. Well, that can be a uh, not-quite-boring black Porsche, but one that can easily sneak beneath the radar. Proton very new to running GTP cars, and indeed um, the, car, the equivalent cars in the World Endurance Championship as well, the hypercars called different things but essentially the same uh, category beneath the beneath the skin and the tight link now nose to tail again in gt daytona pro so the number three corvette heading into the international horseshoe on the infield that's driven by daniel Junkadea and with daniel Serra right on the rear wing 0.9 of a second through the last split. It's an awful lot closer than that, though, as they hit the infield, down to basically a quarter of a second between the top two in GTD Pro. It's been like this, it feels like, all of our stint long and probably all race long, Bruce. Yeah, it has. And the driver in third place in the class is Sheldon van der Linde, the number one Paul Miller racing uh, BMW. That's running on its own. It's got a 13-second deficit to Sarah, but the equivalent, in fact, slightly larger deficit, 14 seconds back to Tommy Milner in the second Corvette. But again, that BMW was going very nicely indeed. But uh, right now, as you say, just under, just over a quarter of a second as the cars hit the banking. The number three Corvette, Danny Junkadea, so many titles in GT cars and uh, looking to see if he can get a class win here at Daytona. But certainly that Ritzy competition, Competizione Ferrari, in its uh, regular red livery, is very much a thorn in its flank. And actually, as you go into the... Uh, Le Mans chicane, it closes in by about another tenth of a second and has a better exit as well. This is a chance for Daniel Serra, the Brazilian, to get into tow. Four car lengths, three car lengths, the gap between them now. Turning left, turning left, staying low on the banking and he's got a proper tow. Maybe we've got a move coming up. And oh, to complicate matters, an LMP2 car goes past them. And around the top of that as well goes one of the Porsche Penske Motorsport 963s as well and the JDC Miller. Suddenly, from calm to fury out on the track, that's how it happens, you know. You're concentrating on your class battle and then suddenly kaboom you've got competition out there and uh, we've got a great sight of the cars coming through the final corner and through the tri-oval put your uh, feet in the shoes to the racing boots of daniel Junkadea, who needs to keep a watchful eye of where this ferrari is but also needed to be wary of those faster cars coming through which of those is he allowed to uh, to let by and which i.e. the Ferrari, does he want to keep right behind him? Now, to the highest side of the kink was always going to be a brave place for Daniel Serra to put his reseat Ferrari. It's uh, always a worry that he might skate out onto the grass on the exit of that corner, and he did eventually get out of what would have been a bold manoeuvre. On occasion, more so in the prototype classes, you can see that overtake done on the high side, but not quite the real estate offered and quite understandably by Daniel Junkadea and Daniel Serra. Had that been two laps from the finish, he might have taken a different uh, vantage point as far as that's concerned, but we've still got eight and a half hours to go. So 
Discretion the better part, you might say. It was. I saw that as a semi-serious attempt to go past. I think you're just trying to unseat him, knowing they just had the P2 car go past and a pair of the of the top-class GTP cars as well. I think it was a semi-serious look, but sitting on the outside, if you go to the kink, effectively turn four, mm, you have diminishing returns. But he did it just enough to put the seed of doubt into Danny Juncadea's mind. But, you know, it's not like the Spanish racer hasn't been attacked like that before. He knows True. what's coming. But this time around, it's a whole car length closer as they go around the banking. They've got a chicane coming up uh, very soon indeed. What's up ahead? Another GTD-class car. Looks like a Ferrari. They're going to go past that. But if they're going to go past, they're going on the high side. More of a chance for a toe coming in. But the chicane's coming up. They reach the chicane. Still the red Ferrari. Oh, it's the uh, number 19 Lamborghini, is it? I think it's uh, certainly a green Lamborghini. No, it's car number 78. I beg your pardon. That's 40 Racing's Lamborghini. But that actually just broke up the battle for the GTD Pro. The Ferrari had to duck in behind it. And now the Ferrari back on the tail of the Corvette all over again. Great battle. Danny Juncadea, Danny... Daniel Serra, 0.14 of a second apart on the start-finish line. Sandy Mitchell's Forte Racing Lamborghini, they would have really been hoping for a, a better run than they've had to date, down in 17th position. And uh, when you group the GT cars together in one, uh, not that the timing screen does that, but uh, it's something like 27th place uh, with 10 GTD Pro cars up ahead. But Sandy Mitchell at the moment will be focusing on well, Ollie Milroy's still stricken. McLaren, remember that car, the Inception Racing 720S, had been leading its class, still yet to emerge from behind the wall after its battery change initially, but it can't be as simple as that now because that pit stop's been uh, a lengthy one, stre stretching towards about 20 minutes now, I would suggest. And therefore, Sandy Mitchell could be about to bank a spot purely because of the bad luck for Inception Racing. Still Corvette ahead of Ferrari, and this time the Risi car doesn't get quite as good an exit out of the Le Mans chicane, so won't be as close as it's been on the previous two occasions to Junkadea's Corvette. Now, just taking a look at the gaps between first and second outright in this race, it's still the number 31 Cadillac from Wheeland Engineering, still Pipo Durrani in the lead, but he's eking out a bit of an advantage. Now, just over four seconds clear from Colton Herter. Last time around, he gained eight-tenths of a second over the chasing American. Joseph Newgarden, a second American in the top three. That's uh, in third place in the number seven Porsche. All lapping, actually, no. Race leader, Pipo Dirani, 1 minute 37.5 last time around. Joseph Newgarden in third, 1 minute 37.9, but 138.3 for Colton Herter. So the Acura losing a bit of ground. Was it traffic? More than likely. But let's take a look at that. The... Um, Nick Tandy in fourth place, also lapping in the mid one minute 37s, high one minute 37s, fifth place Neil Yarny. Likewise, Tip Timon van der Helm in number 85, uh, JDC Miller Porsche, high 37s. Same as Conor de Filippi, but he, of course, is 10 laps down after the problems for number 25 BMW. Nick Culloli couldn't really answer the problems with that one, but uh, steering wheel problem, he thinks, is what afflicted car number eight, it's car number 24 in eighth place overall. And that was the sister BMW where we had it coming to a halt, just approaching turn six, suddenly not moving at all with Dries Van Tour at the wheel. But that, unfortunately for them, is 14 laps down. Both BMWs still going, still lapping well. However, they've had their problems. Here comes the Ferrari into the Le Mans chicane, and it's just a bit too far back for Daniel Serra, but he thought about a move there. Is there a little bit of 
a haze coming off the back of the Corvette, which is being picked out by the Ferrari's headlights. And this is definitely Daniel Serra's opportunity now to slice underneath the Corvette. I'd like to see Daniel Junkadeus at sector times to see whether they've dropped off at all. It might just be a little bit of miss because here comes the Corvette on the fight back. So there's certainly no question that the top speed is still definitely there for the number three car. And often this lack of light can play tricks to the naked eye. But down into the first corner they will go again and they're in a different order this time around. I think there's just an a little bit of ambient mist here and there which uh, was tricking me to think it was coming off the back of the Corvette. But now those cars have switched around. It's still present between the Ferrari and the Corvette too. So nothing to be worried about as far as the performance of these two cars is concerned. And Daniel Serra was plugging away so many times. I thought his best opportunity for an overtake would have been coming off the banking and into the first corner. In fact, he did it into the Le Mans chicane on the back stretch. Yeah, what's interesting since that happened, uh, trying to fight back... Danny Junkadeo could take the wider line into turn one, a better sweep through the corner, didn't find an advantage, could also take the wider line in turn three. But since then, they're now just turning through left through the exiting the horseshoe through turn six up onto the bank, and the Ferrari is pulling clear. So I, I really think the story has been told. He just was careful, cautious for a handful of laps. Spike has just flashed through beneath that uh, number three Corvette as well. And the number 10 Acura into the pits. This is the... The one that's up at the front, the one that's had all the problems, got behind the wall. When I said into the pits, I should have been rather clearer in my description. Yeah, not a scheduled start. Well, it may well have begun like that for Brendan Hartley, but it's turned sharp left partway down pit road and into the garage area for Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti to do more significant work to the number 10 Acura of the two ARX 06s, though this was the one doing not as well. Um, I'm sort of uh, trying not to exaggerate with that uh, comment, but the number 10 car had dropped many laps earlier on, and this could be yet another problem to compound the issues from earlier. However, the sister car, the number 40 ARX06, still in the hands of Colton Herter, pretty good. Only 3.7 seconds away from the race leader, Pippa Durrani. So having established itself into second, it's got up ahead of the two Porsche Penske Motorsport 963s. Joseph Newgarten and Nick Tandy in the seven and the six, and they're running third and fourth, but crucially behind the Acura in second, and the Cadillac V-Series R of Pippa Durrani as we've reached 505 laps completed in this year's race. The Daytona Rolex 24. Well, certainly still very, very busy out there, but just the pace of the number 31 wheel and Cadillac is just relentless. Last lap a little slower because of traffic, but uh, bear in mind the sister car, the 0-1 uh, Cadillac racing entry, likewise was going really well in and around the top two, top three, and then suddenly going nowhere at all and out of the race. You never wish any misfortune on anyone, but particularly, I think, in the past decade, the way that the, these cars are put together in all the classes, the GT classes and the prototypes, these, these cars are much more rock solid, but they tend to run well and then a problem happens and then quite quickly you can be out. If it's electrical, it may or may not be fixed. We've had problems with both of the BMWs in the top class, but the difference is you haven't got loads of drivers out there nursing cars that are already with problems. Problems come 
it's a question where they come, but they're not coming at the rate they used to. It's not something you generally have to expect that majority of this race, bouncing around the banking, putting so much stress and strain on these cars that you're going to be having a car that's not performing at its best. While they're running, they're running really smoothly. Fastest lap of the race, still to the race leader, Pipo Durrani, 1 minute 35.863 seconds. A good lap at the moment is more like... Uh, low 1 minute 37s. Last time around he wasn't so good, I think there was traffic. A 1 minute 39 followed by a 1 minute 38 but he's getting back onto the pace and as soon as it clears up, head of the 31 Cadillac and right now it is clear for them, the lap speed will increase. Uh, the 47 car has recently entered the pits and there was some race control messages suggesting that that car had suffered some impact at turn 5 so the Chetilar racing Ferrari has come in, Antonio Fuoco potentially with damage as we head to Nick Damon with more news from the pits. Yeah, the Chetelara car just trundled past me. It looked fine. I mean, obviously, there's a problem on the right-hand side. I couldn't see it. Uh, the Inception McLaren, the 70, has rejoined after its electrical problems. And I am staring down the uh, very much the pit in. And I believe that is the, uh, the, the red Acura, let's call it that, the number 40 car. That, to me, has had uh, a uh, rolling away several times. They've had a full set of boots and fuel, but I don't think, but don't shoot me if I get it wrong, I don't think there's a driver change there. Thanks, Nick, for that CrowdStrike pit report. Uh, yeah, so the sequence of messages from race control at 17 minutes past five, so that's four minutes ago, impact at turn five, which is the second of the horseshoes on the infield. Then they confirm that ten seconds later, impact for car 47 at turn five, and then a further 10 seconds after that, car 47 continues. And it came all the way around the track, and Antonio Fuoco brought it into the pits. It is actually rejoining now, so they've done a stop, maybe to check things over, or perhaps they'd plan to do a stop at the end of lap 459 regardless. And the Chetilar Racing Ferrari 296 back into the race, as Nick suggested, looked fine from his angle. And also in, from the lead of GTP is Pipo Dirani's number 31 Whalen Engineering Cadillac. So how many laps were on that particular stint? I make it 29, Bruce, which is about Bob on. That's the number that sticks in the mind. That's the number he seems to run to. So running like clockwork for now. But Nick Damon, what else is happening down in the pit lane with CrowdStrike? Well, it's a little bit away from me. It's lights are shining. So it's, luckily it's white lights. So you can tell it's at the... Uh, GTP and again I'm not sh I don't think there's a driver changes because there isn't that kind of panic around the car where they're changing the driver uh, a number of tyres being wheeled away is just two I think but then it's uh, it's been fueled up and away it goes so yeah this is uh, very much the point where they've got some real pace in this car and they're turning laps and then really leveraging the advantage as I talk about the 31 wheel and Cadillac I'm walking past the now completely stripped it's like there's been a uh, uh, you know, some sense of birds have come down and pecked every single piece of pit lane equipment away from the Cadillac racing, the other Cadillac, the Zero One. I'll be honest, I was, uh, I was enjoying some 40 weeks, so just for my benefit, perhaps anyone else has just woken up. What happened to the uh, 01 Cadillac, Johnny? Well, we don't actually know for sure. It was out on track and doing perfectly well when Ranga van der Zander was at the wheel, and then all of a sudden we went full course caution because the Zero One had stopped on the back straight, and I don't think at any point we actually got a conclusive answer from Cadillac as to exactly what went wrong, but we can only guess it's something electrical, which will cover all manner of things in the hybrid era of sports car racing. There was no damage uh, to the car as such, but uh, Renger van der Zander slumping out of the car to a vehicle that took him back to the paddock, he was absolutely fine and left scratching his head and 
all of a sudden Cadillac were down to just one car still in contention and you can hear the engine note of Pippa Durrani in the background the Cadillac V-Series R that was leading when it came into pit road it's dropped to second position but you're absolutely right Nick the 31 had no driver change and we're now getting an impression of how little there is under the awning of 01 they are almost fully packed up Meanwhile, next door, Risi Competizioni, the party continues at the 62 crew because they're having a great race leading GTD Pro. You know what, particularly for the mechanics and engineers, when you're going through the night, you want a battle to watch. Not only did they have one, they had one in which their car came out on top. That's Daniel Serra taking the leading class from Danny Junkader. Nick, you're super busy down in the pit lane with CrowdStrike. What have you got for us? It's more GTP fun, basically. This time it's the number seven Porsche that's come in. This is, I, I can see it, I'm right close. This is, certainly, they've done the two outside tyres. They've got the uh, left-hand side tyres to offer. Are they going to take them is the question. No driver change, yep. So it's four tyres for the seven Porsche. And they'll be up and away with the same pilot as they had when they came in. two will go the number seven car looks like another set of medium compound tires with the yellow panel uh, visible on the right hand side and generally I think that means a full set of medium compound Michelin's uh, we have seen in the previous season of the World Endurance Championship compounds being mixed with hards on the left and mediums on the right keep things simple here uh, predominantly, of course, a left-hand circuit. A bit of a squirm and a, a, a wiggle of the wheel there from Joseph Newgarden as he's about to rejoin and the number seven car back into the race. But Pippa Durrani, as a result, now uh, is leading once again in a 31 car ahead of Nick Tandy uh, by 11 seconds. And the seven car just waiting for that to ping. And in fact, Felipe Nasser, I beg your pardon, is the new driver in the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. So their cars are on the timing screen in second and fourth. We've got customer 963s for Proton and for JDC Miller Motorsports just on the fringes of the top six, fifth and sixth to be exact, for Neil Jani and Timon von der Helm. And it's BMW's seventh and eighth as they continue on their recovery drive. There were no tyres replaced on the 31 car. And when you're retaining driver Pippa Durrani, that would make sense. Tyres heavily restricted, as they so often are in this race. So you want to certainly be double-stinting a set. And there may well have been portions in the dead of night as we're not quite in the dead of night at uh, 27 minutes past five. But when tyres have been triple-stinted, to make sure that uh, you've got some very useful rubber for the closing stages of this race, Bruce. Save where you can. And, of course, when you get a full, uh, full course yellow, they get the opportunity uh, to do just that. But uh, right now, the important thing, if, you if you're taking a little time away from this race, you're just coming back, you think, whoa, the number six uh, Porsche is going well. It's in second place, just 10 seconds down on the race leading Cadillac. It is half a sequence out, so it'll be uh, pitting in about f about 15 laps ahead of Pipo Durrani, who's the race leader. So Nick Tandy will, uh, at some point, uh, be coming in and dropping down the order all over again. That should promote uh, the Wayne Taylor racing with Andretti. Acura, Jordan Taylor at the wheel now, up into second place all over again. And just about, possibly, maybe... No, Neil Yarny will also have to pit uh, relatively soon. Not as soon as Nick Tandy. He's running fourth. Yarny, the Swiss racer in the number five Proton competition Mustang sampling 
uh, Porsche, the black and uh, gold livery car, but he'll be one of the, the stoppers sooner. Timon van der Helm also in another Porsche 963 will be coming in uh, fairly soon. But for those who just made a pit stop, the number seven, Felipe Nazar Porsche, is in fifth place. Likewise, Jordan Taylor, not long ago in the pits. He's got 90% of his power left. That's in the number 40 Acura. And our race leader, 90% of the power left in the 31 Whelan Engineering Cadillac. And the good thing, if you're fans of Cadillac racing, is the fact that uh, Pipo's getting this to run like a train, as his teammates have. And in every stint, he's just gaining a little bit more of an advantage for the number 31 Cadillac. It's telling. The last few hours have been very, very interesting indeed. It was closer when we came on air to start our four-hour stint at the Global Broadcast Centre, but uh, the story is starting to unfold. As we heard from Joe Bradley when he was down in the pit lane with CrowdStrike, conditions actually as cool as they've been throughout, as you'd expect when you're getting towards 5 o'clock in the mornings. It was when he uh, departed the pit lane and Nick Damon came on board. The official line from Cadillac, the party line, was that the reason for the 0-1's retirement was mechanical. Ah, I feared as much. Yes. So you can, uh, you can file that one away under uh, a word that could mean all sorts of things. And regarding the 47 Cetelar Ferrari, I talked about Antonio Fuoco leaving the track at Turn 5. Well, Cetelar have said that Fuoco went off on an outlap and caused some damage to the left side of his front bumper. He then rejoined, but then went off on his next outlap at Turn 5, apparently. So that 47 car has had two recent offs, but, but nevertheless, it was able to rejoin. Let's skip back to Nick Damon for a CrowdStrike pit report. Uh, and it's a full service to the number three, the Pratt Miller Corvette Racing. So he works with Sheen. Uh, Antonio Garcia now has got on board, racing, uh, replacing Danny Ginkadella. Um, they have... As they finish the, as often as you expect, they, they finish the tyres, they're still fueling. They're, they're, they are taking the opportunity to, to put some of those very pressurised metal cannons in the side, so that'll be either water or oil going in. I believe actually there's a little kind of box. That's the Corvette. For, oh, that's not right. They didn't get the full effect because it stopped. Uh, that car has only one rear light. You might know that because you've been here overnight, but now this is not working well. The car, Antonio Garcia, got it going, as you heard, and then it stopped. Uh, trying to get your second burst of Corvette. Uh, thank you, Nick. And actually, during that driver change, Antonio Garcia was really struggling to get his, one of his uh, belt straps over his shoulder, so he probably lost a couple of seconds, and maybe, just maybe, he uh, slightly hesitated as he tried to get the acceleration done. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.